Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. goodness it is wednesday october the 14th 2015 and you are listening to the talking comics podcast talking I, I am your host <laughs> bobby shortle and i am in the house with steve say hi mr bob ryer dosekis and on the line with miss stephanie cook um actually sorry guys hold on a second call recorder isn't working so we won't be able to hear stephanie's voice for whatever reason um, I didn't plan it that way, I promise you. I didn't. No one's been here our witty banter <laughs> because I have to restart Skype. <laughs> Hold on a second. Sorry. Bye, Stephanie. <laughs> That's a new way to derail him. I least. know, yes. I know, right? It, it, Never it thought to, of that. Just a break? That's a that's a very special. Um, I'm not sure if I'll edit this out or not, but we'll just keep going. Hugh Perry yeah. is also here. Hi. Ooh. Obey the sloth. <laughs> Hugh. Hi. This is your last day when we're recording this in, in, in New York, right? It is. What time are you leaving tomorrow? Uh, my flight is at 8 p.m. 8 p.m., huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got about you know half a day tomorrow. Okay. So, you know, just going to pack the last of my stuff, kick back, and, you know, rest up ready for uh, a long, arduous flight home. Are you going to read some comic books tomorrow? Yeah, probably. I've, I do have quite a lot that, you know, I've bought in the last uh, week, so, yeah. That will probably be my flight home. That and I'll probably watch Adrian on the flight again. Mm. Hello. <laughs> oh, now call recorder's working. There Yay! we go. <laughs> Stephanie's here. Hi, Stephanie. You can say hello again. Hi. Hi. Uh, how how's stuff? Stuff is good. My my brilliant plan to eliminate you wholeheartedly from the podcast failed because call recorder worked this time darn it i know it's really disappointing life is awful i know i know i don't even know why life insists on being so cruel to you bobby it's true but i love it (laughs) (laughs) but uh (laughs) but uh in serious news, Stephanie will only be with us for the first bit of the show. Oh! <laughs> uh, as, as we're going to be spending the second half of the show uh, recounting our times yeah. at New York Comic Con. And Stephanie did not attend New York Comic Con, so that would be a... And oh. I hate it, so I'm leaving. <laughs> An uninteresting part for I her to, to... She just had to sit there and listen to us talk. But you could have met me. Yeah, and then I messaged Bobby about it, and I'm like, would it be cool if I, like, pieced out so I don't just sit there awkwardly? And then he's like sent me like a really snippy answer back and i'm like oh he's like really mad about this and he's like lol just kidding on like the treadmill (laughs) (laughs) i was not i I just wrote sure and then there was like a period of time where i i didn't say anything else and then stephanie texted me back and goes like you know just because i don't want to sit there awkwardly and i was like i'm not mad at you i just i was i was on the treadmill so i don't really like i don't want to text too much Mm. but i also didn't want to forget to text you about it that's a good story for everybody out there. It look, sure can be taken so many different ways. True. Yeah. Sure. Snotty, 
friendly. When I looked back at it, I was like, this looks snotty. Okay. <laughs> sure. Are yeah, you fucking sure. kidding me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost everything. I was like, I Patrick's just wanted to, you know, like, not sit there awkwardly. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> you can't nod on a podcast. It doesn't, it doesn't quite work mm-hmm. as a response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emailing is tough. Exactly. Her room. Like, she's so weird and quiet. <laughs> Weirdly quiet. Yeah. I mean, I'm always weird. It's true. That's why we love you. <laughs> So here we're, there's there's five of us again on the show. It, mm-hmm. it went so smoothly last week that I was like, I need to have five people on the show again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have considerably <laughs> less scotch here today, so yeah. Bob. Uh, will, no, uh, though Bob Except, did des- Bob did decide to yell at the top of his lungs while we were I did pl- not. while we were playing the theme song. Yes, you did. I came across to, for a, a, a quick aside. Yeah. The most interesting man in the world. <laughs> no one can hear you. No, I guess not. <laughs> Steve showing pictures of Yannick Paquette in a fancy blouse. Hmm. Am I? Yeah, you were. <laughs> was it yeah. Yannick or was it one of the many? I thought were, that was Yannick. I don't what? think it was Yannick. It no. wasn't Yannick? Yannick's not the first one. Here, I'll bring it Mateo up. Mateo Scalera? No. Stephanie. No, farther along the bottom. Stephanie got us started on Why this Why don't you train. tell people what we're talking about? So a couple years ago, my friend Nicole, she did this like photo shoot at Fan Expo in Toronto um, it I, I don't know why, really, but she had Corey Hart's vinyl uh, sunglasses that night. And so she bought uh, the dress shirt, the white dress shirt. <laughs> she bought the sunglasses and she went around to creators' booths and had them put on the the shirt and the sunglasses and hold up the record and make their best, like, smoldering Corey Hart face. Um and so she named this Tumblr um, the Never Surrender Tour And it's comics creators dressed up as Corey Hart. There you go. Yeah. Yep. We should throw that in the, the <laughs> post, Stephanie, so that people can see that. Yeah, it's they're they're pretty dreamy. It's if handsome, I do say handsome so myself. Dudes being handsome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was a it was a handsome shot of Yannick. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on today's show, other than talking about uh, people in Corey Hart cosplay, we're going to uh, we're going to do some stuff a little differently because we have a lot of New York Comic Con stuff to talk about, a lot of stories. We have some interviews that Hugh and I did at the, on the show floor that we want, we're going to put in here as well. Um, so we didn't, you know, we want to make sure that the show isn't six hours long. Um, so uh, we're going to be doing book of the week segment a little bit differently than than we normally do it. So we're still going to do our shared book of the week, Jughead uh, yeah. number one. It was Stephanie's uh, Stephanie's choice. Uh, this this week, uh, so we're going to be talking about that. And, and, and but before that, instead of doing a, our three minute lightning round and then our normal single book of the week, um, we're going to do five minutes each, sort of an extended lightning round that's going to encompass something we want to talk about. Stephanie's choice sounds like a lifetime movie. <laughs> more, more of <laughs> yeah. a sender round because it lasts longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sophie's yeah. choice looks better. Thursday at eight p.m. <laughs> Stephanie's choice. All right, an after school special. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. We need we need to. Better listen to each other because everyone is talking over one yeah, another at, at one time. People are telling different stories at different times. We need to keep keep the the train on the okay, tracks Bobby. at least enough. I'm just, <laughs> I'm serious. because yes. I, I actually care if the podcast is good, <laughs> not that people are, are joking around. Okay, all right. Oh, is he getting curmudgeonly? I am getting curmudgeonly. Got oh off. no! This is like the time it's I got told off for taking a photo of Grumpy Cat at New York Comic Con. That was a good moment. <laughs> No. No. Uh, well, here you tell the story. Okay. Well, yeah. Basically, me and Bobby were walking around on Thursday. Um, we we had a bit of spare time between interviews, and um, we were walking around. I was like, 
Holy shit, there's Grumpy Cat. The actual Grumpy Cat. Actual Grumpy Cat on the show yeah. floor, yeah. You know, sat on a, a cushion looking all, you know, chilled <laughs> and pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, there was people taking photos of it. There was no obvious line. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll stop and just take a photo of the cat. And, you know, I zoomed in, got it all framed up, just about to tap on the phone. Some, some guy just stepped across me and was like, hold on, dude, there's a line. I was like, all right, it's just a cat. <laughs> just like, locked my phone up and just walked off. Yeah. So yeah, I got sold off for uh, trying to take a photo of Grumpy Cat. You did. I think you had to pay to take pictures of him too. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you had to pay to take pictures. Fuck that jazz. I'll just yeah. take photos of my own cats. Internet it- sensation Grumpy Cat does not give free photos. Douchebag. I didn't know it was a sensation. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> See, I'm so I'm so sheltered. <laughs> wow. He's I know about anno- own- I know about annoying orange. Is it like Grumpy Cat? Yeah, he's got his own comic. You know about annoying orange? Yes, I do. You don't know about yeah. Grumpy no, Cat. No, I don't. Well, annoying orange was like you know five or six years. Exactly. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was the worst. <laughs> the absolute worst. Um, yeah. Next to that Fred guy and the crazy out. frog. <laughs> crazy frog was bad too. Woof. <laughs> All right. Internet memes aside, frogs, to, <laughs> yes. frogs don't woof, Bob. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like I said before, we're gonna we're going to try to uh, do these these book segments in five minutes. I'm sure we're gonna have some crossover and stuff, and you know we'll, we'll allow for extra time when those crossovers happen for people who just want to jump in with something. Um, but uh, yeah, so we want to try to keep it to a manageable time for that stuff, so we can really dive into the New York Comic Con stuff and, and, and really get into it. Um, and that being said, well, first, Stephanie, since you're not going to be you're not going to be with us the whole show, how was your weekend? It it was okay. It was Canadian Thanksgiving, which is, as we know, the best Thanksgiving. Fake Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was the best Thanksgiving. Um, period. Ever. Infinity. Squid. Stamped it. Stamped it. No other stamping <laughs> or something. What um, What does Canadian Thanksgiving celebrate? Like, what is it commemorating a certain thing, or is it just like oh? America has a thing called Thanksgiving, and we want a day like that as well, where yeah. we can just eat a bunch of stuff. Um, can celebrates. Uh, let's let's Google it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably let's something Google to do it. with the Queen, because I know our Thanksgiving celebrates the subjugation of an entire people. Exactly, <laughs> we stole their corn. Yes. What do you got on that, Canada? Yeah. <laughs> it was Parliament decree. In 1879, Parliament declared a national day of Thanksgiving. Oh. For? This guy woke up and he's like, I'm hungry. And then a proclamation was issued stating, Thanksgiving was a general day of Thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest for which Canadians have been blessed. Okay, so it's... I think it's just Canadians just being polite again. So ours is better. We're not like... Try ours. We killed everyone. (laughs) Well, we didn't... We just like moved them to reservations. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not as terrible, but also they don't like us very much. Terrible. The history of dealing with native people is pretty terrible. Um, (laughs) You will live the rest of your Um, life selling cheap cigarettes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was good. Gambling. Um, I went on a date with... The whole podcast gets quiet. with with we lost her. What you, you what? cut out? With? You, it was Can you me? said I went on a date with, and then it dun, was dun, silence. Dun, yeah. <laughs> oh, I said I went on a date with Canadian Bobby, and I was texting Bobby. I'm like, this is so weird. He's you, but Canadian. Like it's freaking me the fuck out. Run away. I was like, he looks like you even, and Bobby's like, he sounds great. <laughs> 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 Sounds like a handsome, charming man. Yeah. 
Harry like, died. Was, like, even into like theater and stuff, mm. and I was just like, "Whoa, this is too real." <laughs> weird. <laughs> weird. Sounds like a keeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I said. Worked out well for Karen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. So no, we'll have to ask I was like texting him. He went to the washroom. I'm like, Bobby, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? So that that was my weekend. Robbie. Um, <laughs> it was food. Robbie. And- <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What? I mean, she, it, Steve asked what his name was, and I said Robbie. <laughs> no, I said Robbie. <laughs> no, I said Robbie. I'm trying to think I of Steve oh, wait, said actually, Okay, I'm not even joking. His name was Robin. <laughs> oh, my God. Close. Very close. Yeah. Very close. Yeah. Oh, if only you looked um, like jo- Joseph so Gordon-Levitt. So that happened. And it's relevant, obviously, because that's hilarious. That mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? I should have taken a, pic- taken a picture. Yes. Um, but <laughs> that would have been weird. I would have been like, I don't want to see you again. <laughs> but I really need a photo. Um, because... Oh. Did you tell him that? Did you tell him you don't want to see him again? No. No. He... You just did. <laughs> <laughs> that's a woman's Sorry, prerogative. But... She's allowed to not call. Um... No, he like, this is, I, I have the worst dating life. Um, like partway through like the date, he was like, uh, he started getting like really pale and sweaty. <laughs> I was like, You're just like Bobby. Up? That's my move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And heavy like, breathing. <laughs> and he just kind of was like, I have to go to the washroom. And uh, was, he like was gone for like 15 minutes. I'm like, did he just like abandon me? Did he jump out a window? Am I like a terrible date? What's happening? Just... Um, but eventually he came back and he was just like, I'm so sick. And I was like, oh, and he's like on the bright side. He's like, I'm so, well, he's like, I'm so embarrassed. And he's like, but on the bright side, I think I figured out what I'm allergic to. It's like, whatever, in the, whatever I'm drinking. And I was like, there's a lot of things in that drink. Like, Bleach. That's not narrowing it down. <laughs> Why um, would he get a drink that he didn't know the contents of that could possibly make He just ordered what I ordered. What did you oh, order? That, that'll do it. Cider. He's allergic to and cider? You don't want to date a man yeah. that's allergic to cider. Maybe there's apples. That's why I'm Ooh. like, that's a no-go. And right. Well, of course. <laughs> It's a, it's a very it's a very as, mature as, reason. As everyone who listens to the podcast knows, I hate Bobby. So. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have worked out. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably just yeah. intimidated by how amazing you are. Which there you go. Which is oh, understandable. Really? <laughs> Shut up, Bobby. Someone's got to compliment Stephanie on this show. Because you, you're kind of a dick. <laughs> Real talk. Uh, talking. Whatever. Right. So from now on, your your litmus test is you feed these guys cider and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. They go running off to the bathroom and yeah. then some peanuts. Yeah. If it's to apples and pe- peanuts, I'm then just gonna get do the fuck an out. allergy test for you here, guy. Yeah. 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 Scratch their arms, put little eat. things on it. Yeah. Get like lots of ice cream and like see what happens. Be like, are you lactose intolerant? <laughs> All right. I think I, I think I sense another short story from Stephanie, mm. and it's right here. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. I could I could write a whole series of stories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that I don't think I've ever it. seen ever ever said before. Steve, I need you to save the podcast <laughs> and get us back on track. <laughs> I could do that. All right. I'm gonna put five minutes on this clock right here. All right. All right. And you're gonna chat about a book. Yeah, I'm going to talk about one book. One book, okay. Yeah. All right, you have five minutes and go. All right, so here's the deal. I've only got one book for you this week because I have been a busy bee. You will hear all about it later. I had lots of adventures. Um, Girlfriend was in town, all kinds of stuff, not enough time to read, so on and so forth. However, however, I did happen to go to the Dark Horse booth 
uh, while visiting the main floor of New York City Comic Con. Picked up a whole bunch of stuff from them. I spent like $100 uh, at their booth, including Lady Killer. Awesome. Hey. Um, one of the things that I picked up is a book. Uh, it's written by Kelly Thompson and art by Meredith McLaren. Uh, I talked about Meredith McLaren a couple of months back when I uh, I read something called Hinges. And I didn't know. I, didn't, I remember not knowing really what to think of it when I read it. I was, I was a little thrown by by its story and just a lot of setup to not really deliver much in the end by the time you were closing the book. It was like your book of the week. Uh, <laughs> I, I, nothing really, not a whole lot impressed me that week. <laughs> there was a couple of months that went by that things were kind of, you know, a little scary. I said this. This is exactly what I said. And then you were like, you're wrong, Steph. This book is great. <laughs> What? <laughs> We're getting, yeah. Let's go to the videotape. Let's, let's, let's yeah, not talk yeah. about how I, I don't remember what I <laughs> out of my own house. Review the play. We're here to talk about Heart in a Box yes. by, I guess I already said, Kelly Tom. <laughs> See what you're doing to me now? All right, here's the deal. This is a story about a young woman. Her name is Emma. Emma has broken up with her boyfriend, and it's kind of the last straw for her emotionally in her life. And she just can't take it anymore. So she's been in her room for what what feels like weeks, months. And her roommate, uh, the book starts with her. Uh, he knocks on the door and he's like, get up. You're going out. I don't care. Get off your ass. We're, go we're going out to the club. And she's like, I don't want to go. He's like, I don't care. Get dressed. We're going. So they go. And she's trying to, she's trying to humor him and, and have a good time. And she's just not having a good time. So she's like, I need to step outside and get some air. So she steps outside of the club. And this guy comes up to her. And he's like, you know, what's like, what's wrong, love? And she's saying, like, you know, everything is miserable. Everything is shit. And she's like, my heart hurts. And he says, you know, well, what are you going to do about it? And she's like, well, sometimes I just wish that I didn't even have one. So then he offers to her. He says, if you wish it, I can take your heart away from you and you won't feel this anymore. So she thinks about it for a few minutes. They talk. In the end, she agrees. And she says, you can have my heart. He doesn't take it physically. He takes it like metaphorically, mm -hmm. like all the all the feelings drain out of her. And it's really awesome. Meredith McLaren does this thing where the book is really super colorful. But once Emma's emotions are drained, she becomes like monotone in, in a really colorful world around her. And the deal is, is like she goes like a few weeks without it. She goes like nine weeks without it or nine days without it. And she's like trying to watch movies and she feels nothing. She's going to concerts. She can't react to the music. Uh, she's reading books that make her sad and they're not making her sad anymore. And she discovers that it really sucks to not feel and to not have a heart. So she calls out to the guy and poof, he's there. He's like he's like a specter of sorts. And um, she says, I need my heart back. And he's like, well, you you can't. I You can, but it's really hard. Nobody's ever done it. She's like, well, how does it work? And he says, your heart's been divided into six pieces. And I've already given them to the powers that be, and they've already distributed it to six different people. Your heart is elsewhere in the world. So essentially, she goes on a road trip um, all throughout the world in the United States and other places to recover the six pieces of her own heart. One of the things about this is that, you know, these hearts now belong to real people with real problems and real things going on. And she has to kind of... She has to find a way to get the heart back, whether physically or they, they, they need to either wish it to her. It needs to be given willingly or she needs to take it. 
And they and throughout the book, throughout the six pieces, they pretty much explore all aspects of her trying to to get the pieces of her heart back. And as you read the book, no spoilers, you begin to discover that the people that have the pieces of her heart are either attached to her in some way of people that she left behind that she has to kind of rekindle with, or they're people that represent things from her past that she let it go or she didn't let go, things that are unfinished. And they're kind of like a mirrored situation for something that she ran away from in the past. And so this journey to recover her own heart winds up being this like tremendous soul searching adventure for her. And it's just positively, gorgeously, gorgeously written. I haven't said the big thing yet. Okay. So I'm. You should have said it within your five minutes. You're done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it the Meredith McLaren's art is so positively emotional and stunning, and and every time that Emma gets a piece of the heart back, she feels more like herself, and it gives her this like injection of, of like elation and warmth and all these things. But some of the things that she has to do to get the pieces back are terrible things. So she feels this guilt in in getting a piece of the heart back. That when she's she's done something awful. After getting the piece back, she feels amazing and it makes her feel worse. So there's all these conflicting uh, emotions and all these things going on. Um, I don't want to say too much more because I really, really want everybody to read it. But I will, I will say this, and this is my big thing that Bob was was kind of it's telling me to shush about. Statement. Okay, everybody on this podcast knows how much I love "I Kill Giants" by Joe Kelly. This is the most satisfying book that I've read since "I Kill Giants." So there you go. That's bold. I absolutely really? love it. Yeah, I started reading it yesterday. I finished it today. I had a conversation with Kelly and Meredith afterward for a little while. We roped Joe Kelly into the conversation, and we were uh, direct messaging back and forth and all this stuff. And yeah, it seriously, seriously um, just hit so many notes and so many high points. And the dialogue is brilliant. It feels so natural. And the main character is so is so real even though that what's happening i mean it's it's all it's a metaphor and it's fantastic and it's all these things but just the the attitude of the character and the way in which she engages these people to get these pieces back and the things she has to do to get them are are just super 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 affecting things that i could see myself doing them as well if i were in her position and in some of these cases in some of like the six different chapters or six different stories you've been in those places before you understand why she feels the way she does when she takes this thing away from this person. And you would do the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, one of the best books I've, I've not even of the year that I've, I've ever read, period, um, Heart in a Box um, from Dark Horse Comics. And it's uh, Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren. Put it on your pull lists. Order it from Amazon. Do something. Get it. All right. Cool. I read this, too, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I honestly don't think it's as powerful as, like, I would not put it up there, even, like, remotely close to there for me. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought that the story was really good. But I'm not a fan of her art, Meredith McLaren. Uh I don't really like it. Like, I mean, I read the story because the story was compelling and it was good and it was uh, interesting. But I just don't think that her art really does a good job of like the colors are fine and what you're saying where she becomes kind of um monotone color like 
just it it's very much like um wrist cutters a love story mm. where when they go to purgatory they can't smile anymore and um they everything's like a little um less colorful and if you uh like kill yourself again or something like it just gets worse and worse so it kind of reminded me of that a bit um but i, I don't know like there's just something to her art that i just find basic um some of the things are really well done uh, where there's other bits that i feel like i feel like this her art is something you would find in womanthology like an up-and-coming artist that you want to see in anthologies and projects as they're kind of developing their style and then they develop their style a bit more and then they're on do you know what i mean I like, do know I what you like mean. Does, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly there. disagree with just about everything you're saying, but I, I do see what you're saying. Um, I mean, I just, I feel very differently about it. I, I think it, 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 it kind of bridges that gap between like a, like an animated style and, and, and fantasy combined. Um, and especially given the, the context of the story and the, the, just the color, the colors of this are, I mean, I'm gonna pass this like around. Like, there's just, I don't know. I, I'm a huge one for for color being, you know, signifiers of of different emotions mm-hmm. and stuff. And when those emotional beats do happen in the story, the book explodes with with colors, and it's very touching. And, and just, I I found it to be really gripping. I mean, if it's not your thing, it's that's completely fine. I have artists that I don't care for that people love yeah. as well. You know, it's just a matter of personal taste. Yeah, of course, it's different strokes. I mean, no one. She said many times, it's, you know, for her, it's, absolutely, it's, it worked, yeah. Worked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I'm def- definitely going to check it out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Stephanie, I'm putting five okay. minutes on this clock for you. What you do okay. with it is up to you, as long as it's about comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I like how you were like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> as I what was saying I it, I rethought what I was about yeah. to say. He is the pizza five minutes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Five minutes and go, Stephanie. Okay. So what I failed to mention last week on the show is that I started watching or watching, reading Silver Surfer oh, um, oh. by Dan Slott and Michael Allred. So I read the first trade of that and really, really enjoyed it. I liked all the characters. It reminded me a lot of iZombie, but I think that's obviously because Mike Allred, mm-hmm. you know, does the characters there. But I feel like they have a lot of um, similarities um, at the same time. So regardless of that, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to diving into the rest of it as well. Um, so I, I just wanted to briefly acknowledge that it I am gets, checking that out. It gets Bob. better and better <laughs> as you go. It does. It's Seriously, so, as great so as, it, as you're enjoying it, it's going to get better. I really enjoyed it. Good. Um, I read the comics that I meant to read this week, and I'm on the show, so you know we'll, <laughs> we'll discuss that later. Um, I read what, what? Oh, the kitchen. I read the kitchen. Oh, cool. And Doyle, right? So, well, I read the first two issues of the kitchen mm-hmm. more accurately. Um, and I really, really enjoyed this too. This is Ming Doyle and Ollie Masters and other people. <laughs> um, it was really good. It's basically mobster wives their um sweet patooties are off in prison and shit needs to get done so the ladies they're like well who's gonna do it and no one steps up to the plate and they're like we're gonna do it we're gonna take care of business and then they're like how can we ever go back to living our lives as just wives 
And this whole kind of dilemma comes into play. Like, will they give up their power? Will they become the new bosses? What's what? We all know that, like, the wives really wear the pants. So, I mean, what happens? Who knows? It was really good, though. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I like Ming art. Like, you know, I like that she kind of does a bit more of a nitty-gritty stuff sometimes. And it's it's rad. Um, I think somebody else said they were going to talk about Paper Girls. So I'll bring that up when they mention it. Um the other thing I'm going to say I read was the Invincible Iron Man, which considering Ooh. like all the other things that came out this week, I didn't get around to Doctor Strange, but I read Invincible Iron Man. Like, who am I? <laughs> yeah. um, Seems very un-Stephanie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you miss a great one. Um, but Doctor Strange is great. <laughs> I, I, I have it. I picked it up. I just, I meant to read it. I was like, I, I took the subway, or the subway, the train out to visit Oma yesterday. So... Um, I, I didn't have quite enough time to read uh, Doctor Strange as well. Anyways, but Invincible Iron Man was a lot of fun, actually. Um, he has an artificial intelligence um, that is his current SAS master. <laughs> and I really enjoyed his interactions um, with her. And he's kind of like, why did I give you the ability to SAS me? <laughs> um, it was surprisingly a lot of fun given that i think i read the first issue of the last iron man and was just like this is a hunk of poop mm-hmm. um this is really good this is bendis uh so i'm 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 gonna check out the next issue guys and i know that baffles everyone it's shocking <laughs> myself um yeah yeah is that uh is it red and yeah bobby you read paper girls right i did but bob is bob is on his but i'll I'll talk about iron man for for a second here because i i read that um yeah i enjoyed it as well you know i i was the same with you i I found the the you know i love kieran gillen but i found the first couple issues of his iron man run pretty boring you know and and not something that really could grab me into the character uh you know i'm obviously a big bendis fan so i I like brian michael bendis has all the things that are great and you know, sometimes uh, not so great about Bendis' first issues, which is that it's great on character. Like, you get a lot of tone. You you, you automatically you get a very interesting, fun, but also kind of um, self-looking Tony. The AI is great. All the all the supporting stuff, it works really well. Um, it's, of course, very thin on actual story progression. You know, <laughs> it, it's kind of like one scene for the first issue. But that... When you read a Brian Michael Bendis issue of comic book, that's you know you're going to get that. So you you know going in that that's what that's what you're going to get. Um, but I thought everything was there was great. I, you know, Madame Mask is is, is showing to be the villain at least of this first arc, and she is awesome. She does r- some really cool stuff here. Some obviously some, some good villainy stuff here, which I really liked. Um, I like the idea oh, of the new she's suit. Villainy. She is very villainy. Yeah. I, I like the idea of the new suit. I like that it's sort of like an amalgam of all of the other tries that he's had at, at making like the, the perfect suit. So all the stuff I enjoyed, and I, the David Marquez art, I'll say too, I, I, I thought was very alive, very powerful, um, very fun, um, without, you know, w- without losing sort of personal touches when it had to be, you know, get down and personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, much like Dr. Strange, which I'm sure we'll talk about, a lot of widescreen, like, two-page spreads, but not splash pages, like, very paneled-out two-page yeah. long spreads. Yeah, it goes through the panel itself yeah, to, to yeah. follow the action, yeah. Very, very well laid out, which which I enjoyed. So I liked it as well. I had a lot of fun reading it. Definitely something I'll check out another issue of. Bob, did you read it? Yes, I did. Oh, what'd well, you think? Well, I got one for nothing, which, oh, was, which was good. Yeah. At, at, at the con? Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> okay. 
Um, I am not a Brian Michael Bendis fan. <laughs> and I enjoyed the issue, which should have been called <laughs> The Amazing Tony Stark, yeah. <laughs> frankly. Because there's so much more of Tony mm-hmm. being... It's the Robert Downey version crossed with mm. the old-time Marvel Playboy kind of guy. Mm. Yeah. And it, it's nice to see that headspace he's in. Mm-hmm. My one complaint is we're in this awkward phase between what's the end of or not the end of Secret Wars, right. and yeah, we have a spoiler that I can't, I won't talk about mm-hmm. that doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless we see the end of where the other thing goes. I know. And it, that's not Brian Michael Bennis's problem. No. He wrote this book expecting the other thing to have ended already. Yeah. <laughs> So it might all play out really well, but we're not going to know. Is this the great jumping on point? It should be from where we are. As a book for itself, Mm. I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah. From what I've read so far, um, I think jumping on points is going to be on a per book basis. Yes. Um, Because after reading Amazing Spider-Man issue one, I wouldn't call that like a really good jumping on point. So I think it's going to be dependent on the book. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I mean, even even looking at some of... It was a weird thing, right? Again, it's not his fault, yeah. and it's a kind of a meta conversation, but it was a weird thing reading this, reading even Doctor Strange, because we don't know... Because Doctor Strange is obviously a big player in Secret yes. Wars as well, so I don't know what's going to happen there. A, a lot of stuff like that. But for the book itself, I, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I found a lot of enjoyment out of it, and even without knowing what happens in the Secret Wars, like the end reveal, just because I know, you know what's happening in Secret Wars, like yeah. is an interesting thing, right? So I'd like to see how that all develops. But and we've seen, you know, things we know that Mary Jane is going to be part of the Iron Man book mm-hmm. go- going forward at a certain point, like issue four or something like that. She shows up, so there's a lot of room to play here. So I, I'm I'm excited mm-hmm. to see see what what comes of it. It's the first time I've been like, I'm interested in reading a, a, an Iron Man book for for yeah. a, a long term period. Now, I wonder is it because throwing something out there. Mm-hmm. Here's Brian Michael Bendis writing, I loved his Spider-Woman, for Mm -hmm. instance, back in the day. Right. It's more Mm self-contained. It's let's tell this story, and that focuses his talents toward that and not, I need to tie in 14,000 other books and the history and where we're going forward. And I think that's why he did so well with like Miles Morales Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, there you go. I will say, too, I love the way David Marquez draws (laughs) Madame Mask's mask. It, yeah, the the light on it and the way it re- reflects and stuff like that. I just think it looks great. So, and like the rest of her face kind of looks like she has one of those um, post surgery masks. Like yeah, like yeah. plastic surgery. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. I'm I'm excited to see see where it goes. Stephanie, uh, did you ever see the uh, uh, Moldavar movie, The Skin I Live In? No, but that's what I was just thinking of. Actually. Oh, really? okay, yeah. That is that is right? Yeah, that that's a crazy. <laughs> I was just watching this other movie the other day um, called Goodnight Mommy. Oh, and yeah. I didn't get through it all because it was tripping me and my roommate out. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, we, it, it was basically about these twins and their mom has surgery and she comes back um, and she has one of those masks on. Ooh. And they're not sure if who's come back is actually their mother. Yeah. The trailer looks terrifying wow. <laughs> for what good night good mommy. mommy oh my god the trailer oh, is yeah, yeah, terrifying <laughs> um well like fair warning the first like 45 minutes of the movie is just children being really bratty and like we were like ah <laughs> 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 we're just like can't deal uh, so yeah. for, are you in the middle of your was it 31 days of horror horror yeah. whatever it is again yeah. this year I've, I've not been watching as much but um i'm hoping to finish up 
we started watching a movie called uh, Final Girls. Oh, I heard oh, really okay. good things about that yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watched a little bit of it after Friendsgiving. I had Friendsgiving instead of ah, Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, we were all like so full and so drunk <laughs> uh, that we like sat down to watch it and like all of us fell asleep. <laughs> so um, we're old. Um, that happened. <laughs> Uh, and we're, we're we're gonna try to rewatch that. And Ginger Snaps just came out on Blu-ray. So. Oh, nice. oh, I love those movies. Nice. I just I'm, watched. I'm gonna them. try and watch that again soon. And I, for the to cap it all off, Bob, and um, the Symphony here in Toronto is doing um, a live performance of Psycho. Oh, cool. wow! That's Bernard awesome. Herman's score is awesome. That's great. You know, people yeah, don't know so. about Psycho. The score, it's all on strings, hmm. which back in 1960 would have all been made of cat gut. Interesting. So uh, uh, it's, it's, it's like... The more you know. It's a real organic score. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh. <laughs> um, uh, Grumpy cat. What were you going to say, Steve? Yeah. Uh, I watched the first episode of Ash vs. the Evil Dead oh, last cool. night. Uh, I got the screener mm-hmm. after doing the, the press junket thing. Can you say what you thought of it? Yeah. Oh, how was it? Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Cool. It's really good. Um, I won't spoil anything for anybody. It is... I think it has... Uh, for me personally, it had a little bit of pacing issues. Um, some of the jokes seem to go on a little bit longer than necessary, but as far as keeping in the spirit of Evil Dead, it is through and through what you remember, uh, even special effects wise, which was my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Like they're still using the old makeup. Things still look bad on purpose. Mm -hmm. So like when people transform, it's very obviously like rubberized masks Mm -hmm. and, you know, broken bones and contorted walks and cool. That's awesome. Um, The support cast is fantastic. Great. So um, how's Bruce? He's a he's a jerk. He's a <laughs> jerk. The, the whole the whole thing starts again because he's an asshole. <laughs> like that's that's a, like I'll yeah. put it vaguely, but the way the way mean in the show, not in real. Yeah, life. yeah, no, no, he's amazing. I, I, I I'll talk about that in a little <laughs> while. But like um, the reason that it's all happening again is a really like. Him just being irresponsible. Okay, and it's perfect. That makes sense. It's yeah. perfect. That's um, good. yeah, you should definitely look forward to it. It uh, airs on Stars October thirty first. Yeah, on Halloween. They did not pay me to say that. <laughs> Stars. Um, really good though. Definitely, if you're a fan, look forward to it. Keeping this horror theme, I watched the first episode of American Horror Story Hotel today. It was really weird, if you can believe that. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has some cool elements. You know, uh, my only issue with the first episode is that. Even when American Horror Story has been at its weirdest, you always have like one or two characters that are obviously the characters where you're kind of like, these are the characters that are sort of normal that I'm going to be following throughout throughout the show. And they don't really... The West Bentley character is like a, a detective, and he's the most good of any of the characters, but he's like super serious and damaged and so you don't really have that sort of like feel good person that you know something horrible will happen to later but you know at least you have something to fall through it you, you just have a lot of those characters which i classify in american horror story as the ones that give me stomach aches just <laughs> by the way that they're acting the entire time you know very weird very crazy very ryan murphy type of, type of acting but um it looks great and there's some cool stuff going on in it i just i, I don't have a thread yet about what's going to be kind of like the yeah the central idea of it all i grabbed um i guess gifts for everybody before uh the con closed when they were trying to shove everybody off the floor mm-hmm. uh i went to one of the funko booths and they were having you know deals like you know five funkos for 50 whatever right um 
I was scrambling, so I didn't know what to get for myself. Everybody else was picked out, and I was like, I didn't get anything for me. Uh, I wound up picking up the Tatler sisters oh, okay. from the Freak Show. Yeah, yeah. Never seen. I haven't seen American Horror Story since they revealed who the uh, I don't even know what his name the, the Rubber Man or oh yeah 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 something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really disappointed in the reveal, and just stopped watching the show. But um, it having that fun code, which is really awesome, uh, it makes me want to kind of go back to that show and, and check it out. I I really I. W- the first season I like. I really, really like the second season a lot. What was uh, that one? Asylum. Oh, okay, Asylum. Asylum. Coven is the third season, which I haven't seen. Other Actually, I have not many. seen three or four, but I'm watching five now. So this hotel one's the fifth? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it is. Um, I should watch the fourth show. was Freak Show Freak or something show. like that. Yeah. Freak Show was the fourth one, yeah. And thank you very much for the Funko, Steve. You're very welcome. Very yes. kind of you. <laughs> Steve bought me this really white. Cthulhu fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 cool one. it's heavy. Yeah. It's yeah. heavy. It's There's a lump. Certain... Yeah, it's dude. A I mean, the heaviest Funko I've ever come across is actually the Marceline uh, from Adventure mm. Time. Her, that massive black hair that she has, if you don't prop her correctly, it'll just, she'll just fall backwards. So, no, yeah, I've, the... I've got the six-inch Hulkbuster one from the Collector Core one. That is Did you really? <laughs> I really oh. wanted the female Thor, but they wanted $30 for it. I oh, what? God, I've got you. that one. That's crazy. I'm Miles Morales. Nope. All right. Oh, 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 oh. eBay, eBay. Here we go. Bob. <gasps> okay. I'm going to go over, even though I'm usually at three, right. but we'll see you what You have five minutes, and go. Okay. Sensation 15, which contains two fabulous stories. The first features a battle with the cheetah, but the message centers on the cost of civilians during these kind of dust-ups. It's a well-balanced story by Adam Beecham and enhanced by the art of the legendary Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Very nice. The- one of the co-creators of Jonah Hex back in the day. And the second, written and drawn by Carla Speed McNeil, is a small wonder with a parable about kindness to animals and such, and it features lion farts. <laughs> so there you go. It's true! I'm tweeting that It's for true. Us. Well, there you, go. you can look it up. It's right in the second story. <laughs> Spider Island number five was another two-story deal, but only the second one, which featured a moving finale to the Spider-Girl tale, is worth mentioning. Unless you happen to like everyone turned into werewolves and vampires and dinosaur creatures. It's, uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, there were two pre-relaunch books. Is there mm-hmm. such a word? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, all right. So we have Avengers Zero and All New, All Different Point One. Each one has a framing sequence. Uh, the All New, All Different one, it, all the titles are going to be highlighted here. Last time around, these ended up being important. Mm-hmm. I, we don't know yet. We have no idea. It's but tough to know. They're fun to read. They are, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, framing sequences each time around. We, we've got sort of the squadron in Avenger Zero and a contest of champions thing going on in point one. Uh, highlights were A-Force in the, that was in the all new, all different, I guess, where we got G. Willow Wilson. Mm-hmm. That was in Avengers. That's Avengers. Yeah, right. It's yeah. Avengers Zero. Yeah. yeah. It's so confusing. It's very confusing. It's so confusing. Very confusing. There might as well be 12 stories in yeah. one thing. Yes, I know. Uh, you also have The Ultimates by Al Ewing, which mm-hmm. is looking really good. Blue Marvel and you know, Monica Rambo. I'll tell you what. We're going to want to read these stories anyway. Mm-hmm. So you might as well jump in. The real problem is at six bucks. Yeah. It was a tough... I don't buy many books anymore, Mm -hmm. and you walk in and buy two books, and it's 12 bucks. It's also like, wow, I just bought four comics. It was an expensive week. It was very expensive. You know, we've got Charles Soule here. We've got G. Willow Wilson. Lots of great creators. Uh, Pick one. Pick Mm -hmm. one and go, but you you can't go through one. You've got Inhumans by Charles Soule. 
And the highlight, I think, of the whole thing is the Daredevil story. Mm, yeah, the Daredevil story is great. Where you reintroduce him to New York mm -hmm. and the new supporting character, and I'm not going to say much, but mm -hmm. he was gushing all mm -hmm. over about that character moving forward, who has a great hook mm -hmm. about what his powers are and how they work, and I'll leave you to discover that. Um, in a close decision, Paper Girls narrowly lost out for being my book of the week. That said, this was fabulous. We was going to tell you about what would have been my book of the week, but we don't have a book of the week, which right. we're going to talk about next anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, picture a cross between Lumberjanes, Super 8, and Monster Squad. <laughs> and that's what you have here. It's these girls who live in a suburb of Cleveland. They deliver the, the Cleveland Preserver newspaper, and it's the morning after Halloween. And weird things are happening. There's just some drunken kids out running, stealing candy and stealing walkie-talkies from Radio Shack because it's set in 1988. Great group of kids, wonderful real sort of story, and it takes that left turn mm -hmm. that Super 8 did, Cloverfield did, all these sort of things did, and it's wonderfully done. Great story, Brian K. Vaughan, which, of course, we expect. Cliff Chang off of Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. uh, look, that uh, was, The art on that was great. The story, eh, this is superb. I, I Yeah, uh, I think it was a, a perfect number one for my yes. liking. Great so. jumping on point. Uh, after I'm done, we'll all yak about yeah, paper girls because yeah. that is just stupendous. And speaking of stupendous, look, Doctor Strange, Jason Aaron, Chris Bachalo, who did pencils and colors. Bachalo? But yeah. Oh, okay, I was right the first yeah, time. Yeah. Great jumping on point to a point. If you've been reading Secret Wars, you've got no idea how Doctor Strange got to this point. Mm -hmm. If you haven't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, exactly. But your, your first page is this wonderful Ditko-esque version of his origin, catches you right up, and opens into this two-page splash that tells you where this book is going to go from now on. The otherworldly vistas are just absolutely incredible. It's a Doctor Strange who is, he's still serious, but because he survived what he did, there's a joy to, I'm here and I'm doing this stuff. And it's, it's kind of cool. We meet uh, Zelma Stanton, this Bronx librarian who shows up at his doorstep because she's got weird things happening in her life. Lots of talk about the, the, the problems in the magical world, which I think will tie into the Scarlet Witch series that James Robinson is doing moving forward. If you're an old-time fan of Doctor Strange or want to know what this character is about, it's all right here. The art is staggering. Mm. Absolutely gorgeous, mm -hmm. but the story keeps up, too. So... Yeah, you can keep going. <laughs> that was really no, good. I'm, no, I'm, I'm right. I'm pretty close. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. look, Doctor Strange number one. If this is the way the other relaunches are going to go, I think the the all new, all different may have some real gems. Mm. Yeah. Um. I like I said to you before, Bob. I've never. I've got no experience at all with Doctor Strange comics, and um, as I said before, the one thing I've noticed with the few things I've read is that some things feel like really good jumping on points others don't like amazing spider-man is a few references to some things that if you're a new reader you might go hmm okay i mean they'll sort of like tweak your interest they're not confusing as such but with that for me having never read any doctor strange i felt com completely fine with that it you know it, it gave you a good feel of the character there was you know plenty of his origin and his history um it made me laugh a few times, which is always good. And there was a giant teddy bear in it, yes, which, is always good, yes. which is always fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Doctor Strange. And like you say, the art is phenomenal.
like it, it's a beautiful looking book. Yeah, it's there's so much going on on those pages. Yeah, I, I love sort of the juxtaposition of showing this these, this giant battle that's happening, and then showing what everyone else is seeing when the giant battle is going on, which I'm just standing in a room <laughs> talking to myself, and there's yeah, people yeah. walking past going weirdo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. which I, I really really liked a lot. Yeah. Um, this is one thing like I, I was yeah. astounded going through because uh, you know I, I think it's four or five pages in a row are these giant two page layouts, um, just beautifully done. And like you said, I mean, it, for people who who read books that have been drawn by Chris Bocciolo before um, you know you're gonna, a lot, lot's gonna be familiar here to you but there's an extent of detail here that I think has even not been in the recent X-Men work which has also been, been fantastic mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's really really great to look at it's a lot of fun I love the fact that they did the origin at, at the beginning you know with sort of the 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 uh, the captions over the old, the actual old, um, you know, Steve origin Dicko story to yep. go stuff. I thought that was great. Uh, I, I loved the character in it. I loved every. I loved the story. It's enough to hook you for another issue, which which is great. Um, but very good on its own. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a fantastic uh, first issue uh, of a book. Um, even at what four ninety nine. This one was four ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Cheap. Yeah. It's a it, bargain. At it felt like there was plenty in there for that that price though yeah we have a backstory too i will say that yes there is and the backstory is really cool too i will say that too there's a lot of stuff there but what what i want to say in the size into your other book is that yes there is a lot in dr strange paper girls is is 51 pages long and it's 2.99 that is a fair point so don't this idea that they they're like oh there's 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 eight extra pages so it's it's two dollars more expensive is a ridiculous thing to me like Mm. If you can, That's fair enough. This is half a trade over here in yeah. Paper Girls. Yeah. And I, you can't, like, honestly, I don't know if, what I, obviously, not every issue of Paper Girls is going to be 51 pages. They, right. I think you did the same thing with Saga. Um, we stand on guard. The first issue was also longer and, and same price. And then mm-hmm. it'll go back down to normal price. But that is the way you rope people in, uh, you know, I think. You, you make the issue cheaper, and then you're able to rope people in. And then, then if you want to, if it's shorter, people will still buy it. Or if you want to raise a dollar after that, it sucks, but at least people have a way in yeah. to, the, to the book. The image trade idea, too, right? The, their first trades come out after, depending on the book, fifth yeah. or sixth issue. Mm-hmm. The month after, 10 bucks. Yeah. If I've heard about how great a book is and I've trade-weighted or missed it, I buy the trade. A month, two months later, there's the new arc beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't feel cheated. I just bought six issues for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's yeah. Gorgeous. Absolutely. I mean, like for me, I said, like I said, that that feels like... Um, I mean, Steph said it loads of times. Like when the f- first issues are a, a greatly varied beast. I mean, Doctor Strange and Paper Girls are both really good first issues, um, and I completely agree with what you said about the price and the size of them. Um, I mean, you know, it fleshes out you know each of the girls. There's four, you know, four main characters in this book. Um, and each of them, you know, you establish their personality right away. Um, you get to get a bit of a feel about where this book is going. Um, and, you know, at the end of it, you're like, yeah, this is great. You know, I know, I feel like I know each of the personalities, the fact that this book is, you know, where it's going and so on and so forth. And at the end of it, I was just like, great, I'm I'm totally on board for this. Like, this isn't a, an image book I'm going to trade book for. I'm going to be picking this up month to month without without a doubt. Right, absolutely. And I know, Stephanie, you didn't talk about it before because we were waiting, but what did you think of Paper Girls? I loved it. It was, I I don't know what I was expecting, but this wasn't it. Yeah, but... I was much the same as well. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but like I still loved it. And I'm real tempted to send in a letter to um that America paper yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. thing and see if I get a card. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I want to like, do that as well. Want one. Yeah, at, at the back of it's the American newspaper delivery girl, where if you're a paper girl, you're supposed to write in and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. PD's yeah. delivery bag. <laughs> so I, I want that to exist in my life. Did you? Um, I, I don't want to the... have to deliver papers though. No, <laughs> so... especially on Hell Night or Hell Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. Um, weird, like, yeah, psycho like, this ninja took dudes. Such a fun turn. Um. And I just thought it was creative and well done. Um, the art was amazing. The colors were amazing. Um, and the story was amazing. Um, again, not at all what I expected, but it was even better. Yeah, I think it's interesting because when you, when you start up, right, the, um, the first couple of pages... It looks like Saga. You know, it looks like something that would be in yes, Saga. Yeah. And, and, and so, and then they kind of pull that bait and switch in, on you when we actually get into the story. And I thought that was great. And I agree with everyone. Everyone said, I I loved it. It was not what I expected at all. And I keep saying this because, like, you know, we said this many times, I don't read previews. I don't read the description of the book. Yeah. A, a creative team and sort of, like, general log line and then and then I and then I'll dive into it. But most of the time if it's the if I like the creative team I don't even need to read what it's going to be. I just I just know that I'm going to read it and at least read an issue of it. So uh, it's nice cuz it's it completely surprised me. I didn't expect it to have this sort of you know monster squad sort of, you know, 80s Amblin movie mm-hmm. vibe to it w- with with the characters and sort of this idea which is so great of um the two sets of problems, right? The problems that are very specific to these people, you know, the jerk kids who, who are, you know, who, who just, who are really are going too far and how they need to protect themselves when they're on their paper route. And then this other, you know, otherworldly, crazy, supernatural, whatever it's going to be yeah. thing that, 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 that's, that's on top of it. And, and I love that because that, that's, you know, that's an Amblin thing. That's a Stephen King thing. That's all this type of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff I love the most. So really excited. Like you, got, you said too, the art by Cliff Chang is absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something to look forward to every month. Like you said too, Hugh, it's not one that I'm going to wait for, for trade. I'm going to, I'm going to read Amen. it every, every, every month because it, it just, I can tell already that's gonna be something that it's special that I want to be in that world once a month, and and reading it once every five or six months is not going to be good enough for me. Yeah, and I think the comparisons as well, like you know, the '80s sort of kids on an adventure movie is like really like on a button. Mm-hmm. There's a really good feel about that. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and I love the last page. The last little moment, mm-hmm. because, and I'm not gonna say what it is because it's a fun it, little it reveal. A lot of questions, yeah. obviously, yeah. but I hadn't been thinking about when the story was set, you know, and and, and that like that final reveal. I'm like, oh, okay, so we're definitely in a time and place for, for, for this thing, which I thought was great. Um, and it's it's always cool to use something that's very familiar to us as sort of an alien sort of, sort of thing. Um, Steve, what do you think of it? I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so much of what everybody else said uh, that's already been said. I uh, it rem- it just it has that good Goonies Monster Squad quality mm-hmm. that, that we've all honestly, dude. Everybody said everything so far. I don't I don't really have too much more to add. I just thought it was great. Everyone should be reading Paper Girls. That's what we should. We'll yeah. all say. Harumph. Harumph. I mean, when the when the 
the image stuff came out and they were announcing all these books, everybody, I think around the table, kind of latched onto this. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with the creative team, but even just from that one little teaser, but it looked like a like a nice, like soft, serene slice of life. Kind yeah, of like thing, you're yeah. like you're living in like the sandlot neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like that's that. right. That's the other kind of movie it was. Right? Yeah. And it it turns out to be that, but with a harsher, almost like the kids from Stand By Me starring oh. in this, you know, because they're they're crude, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, Mackenzie particularly, yeah, yeah. I mean, these really are not, nasty insults. It's not like you know, good old paper girls. They're <laughs> they're kids. Some of them smoke and have attitudes and don't like the police, and you know, they're they're kind of. Uh, not mean spirited, but they just they stand up for themselves. You know, you have the tough, you have the the inquisitive one, you have the sporty one, and it's a it's a really good mixture of personalities. And I think it's going to be interesting in the the situation that they're facing that all of them are going to kind of have to use their own little talents in order to figure out what's going on and and get rid of it. I'd be really curious to find out how long this is actually supposed to be. I mean, I think it's ongoing. I don't yeah. think it's a, as of now. I'm sure they have a he has a end in his head but i don't think that it's 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 a, it's a, a yeah. clear ending to it yeah i don't read things for mm. books all that much I, I a lot of the time i go like i see the creative team and i'm like oh man and i pick it up i look at the art if i really like the art i usually pick it yeah. up i i love what previews can provide for you but sometimes it's a little too much mm. Mm. yeah i don't i haven't gotten previews in months a lot of the time i just look at the title of the book and the creative team yeah. and just go yeah i'll get that i mean i think for Keep for going. a retail perspective like for a shop it's very useful because you want to know if something big is happening so you can order more of the book but i think as like a consumer facing tool I, I i don't really like it yeah. that much um all right hugh you ready uh yeah Hang on, <laughs> yeah. let me just... Let me just I send think, a quick text. I think judging by what you've got on... I'm not sending a quick text. I think judging <laughs> yeah. by what on your screen, I think, can we... We'll discuss that together. Yeah, okay. Maybe. Okay, cool. I'm good. Oh, right, you're good? All yep. right, and go. Um, right, so... Yeah, this week, I'm not going to say too much about Secret Wars 6, but it was um, nice to have that book back at long last. Um, you know, pushing things along and picking the pace back up. Um, I think we're finally sort of seeing the, you know, the you know, the threads coming together of, um, you know, Doom might not necessarily be on his throne for too much longer. Um, and I th- I think I might be right about, like, Spider-Folk being, you know, a bit of a big deal when it comes to this stuff, They you know, because they're sort of being tuned into, you know, the, the web of life, so to speak. Um, but yeah, really good. Um, you know, just nice to have it back and just get in a, flow of it is i just wish they would you know get it out and just let us finish the story and move on um summer 2017 yeah, yeah. <laughs> issue 12 <laughs> yeah um at the con i picked up um issues one to four of we can never go home um which i thought was fantastic it was not at all as i was expecting um kind of like a sort of I don't want to say too much about it because I think if it, if you tell to people about about what the the catch is with it that it can spoil it, but I highly recommend it. It's kind of got a bit of a Bonnie and Clyde type feel about it, like two kids on the run after some you know bad shit happens to them and they um, they're confused, but they you know they the one kid's home life isn't great, so he you know he wants to run away and something he says about himself you're not overly com- you know sure whether he's being truthful or not 
um, and the girl he's with, um, you know, she's adopted and she just says to her, you know, her parents, you know, this stuff's happening. I need to get away. We need to start and stuff just basically snowballs and, you know, it just piles up. And like I said, there's a there's a hook to it. But I don't want to spoil it for people, but I do highly, highly recommend it. I think it's a bit of a tricky book to get hold of because it's from Black Mask. Um, and I think it's trading hands for silly money on eBay. Yeah, I think they did a bunch of reprints, though. But of it's the first great. Couple yeah, issues. I think yeah. the ones I picked up were second prints, but mm-hmm. I highly, highly recommend it. It's a very good book. Um, I read the first volume of Mimetic, um, picked that up from James Tynan and Eric Donovan at the show. Um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, just. You know, I, I like the. It's got sort of echoes of the ring yes. for me, where it's you know something happens and it implants something in people's brains. Um, you know, it's not like something going after them, but it's something tri- like triggers in their ber- in their brain, and they you know it's it's. Um, he said in your po- in the interview with it, it's you know it's an apocalypse of the mind, not an apocalypse. You know in the more literal sense. Um, and, I, you know, the the sloth sort of image in it that causes people to have this like weird euphoric feeling before they snap is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm going home with a sticker of that on my suitcase, which, <laughs> which will probably uh, confuse a lot of people. Um, and lastly, I want to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue 50. Um, honestly, I think this will be up there for my, like issue of the year um so far this this is just a culmination of everything that this book has been leading up to um you've got the turtles basically in a sort of literally in a fight to the death like a gauntlet against um shredder and the foot clan and it's you know the 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 themes that run throughout it are still in the book you know brotherhoods you know working together um splinter and sort of like meditating look looking back into their past and there's these really cool flashbacks about like um when they were alive and when they were human you learn about um the fact that you know splinter and the kids you know this war is between the turtles and shredder has been going on for you know it's a centuries long battle um and it's huge what happens in it is massive I, i won't spoil it for people but um I love this book and I I honestly highly, highly recommend it. I know it's a bit of a running joke, <laughs> but and I know there's fifty issues of it, but I I just think that this book is it's something brilliant. Like Matteo Santaluco's art is just perfect for it. It's really dynamic, captures the turtles brilliantly, and I think Kevin Eastman's like I think he's putting out some of the best work he ever has. So that's me. Perfect too. Perfect. Yeah. I did. I did Bob. You did a Bob. Yes. Yay! <laughs> Mic drop. <I'm> <laughs> You're not going to do the show again for a year. At least. That's at how least. you leave. That's how at you least, do. At least a year. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. So I'm going to throw five minutes on uh, on my clock here and go. Um, so uh, Batman and Robin Eternal number one came out, which is the new uh, weekly series from DC. Follow up to Batman Eternal that obviously ran for 52 weeks last year. Um so this is, as the name suggests, focused really mostly on the Robins. All the different forms of Robin show up in some manner here. Uh, and in addition, we get a flashback 
with um, Dick and Bruce in one of like their first sort of um, missions together, the first time they encountered the uh, the Scarecrow t- together. So what the book seems to be doing is painting sort of two timelines, this past timeline and this present timeline. Present timeline is the kind of we know now. Jim Gordon is Batman, and, pe- and all the characters are sort of adjusting t- t- to that fact. Um, you know, Dick Grayson is still in is in um, Spiral and is a secret agent. Um, you know, but we have Harper Rowe here. We've got Tim Drake here, um, and we've got the the arrival of a character that is sure to make um, certain people very very excited. <gasps> oh yeah, <laughs> um, and I, I will say that. I really enjoyed the issue. I'm a big fan of Robin, so having a book focused chiefly on the Robins is is, is a great thing for me. Um, you know, they're characters I really, really love, and James Tynan has talked about ma- many times how Tim Drake is one of his favorite characters in the world. Um, he's one of my favorite characters in the world, so it all equals, you know, showing these characters in versions that I love and and really, really enjoying what, what's put forth here, and I do want to say that... Um, uh, Tony Daniel does a really great job w- w- with the art as well. It's very dynamic. It's it's very big and boisterous and superhero, and um, I- I'm really enjoying it. Um, that that said, a weekly series has to maintain itself very very well for me to stay with it. I fell off Eternal last time around, even though I was I was enjoying it as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that this manages to keep up with me, um, and I keep up with it as as, as it goes along. And once I get done, I know he wants to say some things about it too. So mm-hmm. once I'm done with this little bit, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, I hadn't read uh, Archie number three, and Wait, I what was that one? That was Batman and Robin Eternal number one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which, uh, if you're a fan of Robin, I highly suggest it. It, w- it was really good. Uh, Archie number three. I hadn't. I had. I had not read that issue yet. I, I really enjoyed it. It's probably my actually my favorite issue of of the three so far. Um, really, sort of. It you know it really introduces Veronica into into the picture, and and that upsets obviously the the whole sort of status quo of, of Riverdale and the way that it goes and it really brings up Jughead's character, really brings out Betty's character a lot more. So really cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where all that goes. But that series continues to be re- really quite fantastic. And um, I read uh, most of Wayward Volume One, and we had talked about this book way back when the first issue ha- had premiered. Uh, it's Jim Zub. And uh, I have to look up the artist, actually, so I'm not I'm not shortchanging anybody here. But um, it, it's a story of a, a young girl who's half Irish, half Japanese, and she leaves living with her father to go to Japan to live with her mother. Um, and as soon as she gets there, things start going very weirdly for her. She she starts kind of developing a, a, a sort of superpower where she can kind of see connections between things. She can sort of affect the world around her. And she's sort of running into all these people who are also weird in other ways. And so much like we're talking about Paper Girls, there is a very a very sort of um, 80s sort of movie sense of these teenagers coming together to take down a threat much, much bigger th- than they are. Um, and, you know, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I wouldn't say that I think it's one of the top series at Image, but reading it in trade, I think, does it a lot of favors because um, each issue is not... I would say is not flush with, 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 with story and plot, but when you read through all five or six issues in a lump... There's a nice flow and, and and a nice character sense to what's going on there. And I really like the main character quite a bit. I think that she has a lot going for her. She has an interesting dynamic personality. And they've 
Jim Soto does a good job of layering in sort of backstory for her. Um, and uh, I do really unabashedly love the art by uh, Steve Cummings is, is the artist. He's the line artist. And there's several color artists mm-hmm. um, on, on the book, including Jim Zub himself. Um, but uh, I love the art. It's 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 got a... A somewhat, I guess you know, manga vibe to it, but it's yeah, totally. but it's it's also crossed with her traditional cartooning as well. So there, it's it's a nice like amalgam of those two things. It fits sort of the Japanese. It's sort of like her in general. You know, it's Western and Eastern kind of put together into one. Uh, and and I think it's really that is really kinetic and beautiful. And the monster designs are interesting, and the sort of action works really really well. Um, so yeah, I think it's true for a nine ninety nine trade. I think it it works um, the way it's supposed to. Uh, what, where when I was reading in single issues, after I read the first issue, I had that sense. I said, I like this issue, but I like it enough to wait for the trade, not to read it month to month. So, and I'm glad that I'm reading it now, though. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my those are my books. So, what do you think of uh, Batman and Robin Eternal here? Um, yeah, I mean, my my thoughts for the most part echo yours. I completely agree about Tony Daniel Tony Daniel's art. I I've been a big fan of his since like when he was working with Tomasi on um, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I kind of have like I don't know whether it'll spoil like the general theme of the book. I think it's already you know it's kind of out there anyway. But the whole thing with like Batman's deep deep dark secret, um, you know, having an impact on people is kind of a bit stayed now. It's been done before, and I I just hope hope that doesn't end up being too much of the book. Um, and also, were we meant to assume that um, Tim is, is was actually a Robin? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's confused me because it's like it, it. You know, every time a different, you know, one of but they they refer to him as you know the, his partners as opposed to like whether saying they were Robin or not. I think doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually refers to Tim as being Batman's partner at some point. But yes. so. I'm a bit confused as to whether that means he was Robin at some point again now. Or he was just Red Robin, but he was Batman's partner. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would like that to be, you know, established. Because, you know, after Convergence, they've obviously... Not like the the new 52 wasn't undone, but it would just be nice for a bit of clarity because I think Tim's been a mm-hmm. bit shortchanged in terms of, like, clarity in terms of where he stands. But... No, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, st- I stuck with Eternals throughout. I d- it didn't, it didn't blow me away. Um, but you know, it was good fun. And like you say, someone shows up in it and kicks the snot out of Dick, and uh, <laughs> you know, delivers a message type thing. So um, yeah, it was a good fun first issue. So I'm I'm on board for it. I hope hopefully it'll um, it'll carry on in that vein. I just like I said, I hope that one thing about like the Batman's deep dark secret being, you know. A, you know, a bad thing for everybody doesn't take over the book and run throughout it too much. So right. that's my thoughts. All right. All right. I think it's time to talk about Jughead. Hey, hey. Uh, Stephanie, you are on the show. I'm not here. You're not, you're, you oh, are yes. on oh, the show. Yeah, okay, yeah. And we're talking <laughs> about a book that you assigned. Um, it's rare. Wild <laughs> Shoot is very rare. I think it's happened one other time. Um, I'm so happy I'm here for this. <laughs> Uh, why yeah, don't you tell history, us? You. Yes, you're here for history. <laughs> why don't you tell us about Jughead number one, Stephanie? All right. So Jughead number one is written by uh, international man of hilarity Chip Zdarsky 
uh, and drawn by Squirrel Girl um, pencil drawer extraordinaire Erica Henderson. Uh, and it is uh, Archie's lovable sidekick uh, taking on his own solo story. Um, as you would expect, his dog makes an appearance. Um, and the the constant, if you ever read Archie as a kid, um, one of the constant struggles that Jughead faces on a day-to-day basis is being hungry. He's always hungry, like always. I know the feeling. Um, as teenage boys tend to be. Mm-hmm. And um, so this this whole thing deals with Jughead, you know, having to come to terms with the fact that he's like really, really hungry and uh, <laughs> something has happened and his hunger cannot be satiated. That is correct. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> I got it right. Um, and it's really like a travesty. It's basically a goddamn travesty. Mm-hmm. It's a literal uh, Hunger Games. So, <laughs> yeah, or, you know... They, they take it to a different sort of comparison. Um, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I, I figured out, like, so somebody told me this the other day when I was reading the comic or talking about the comic. I don't know who told me this, actually. Um, whoever it was, I'm sorry that I've forgotten you. Um, maybe it was Eric who's here right now. Maybe it was Eric. Hi, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> my, my roommate's my friends here. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so Jughead, you know how he has like that crown on his head? Mm-hmm. Do you guys know what that is? And don't, if you do, shush. <laughs> but do, do do any of you know what it's supposed to be? No. Beanie, Beanie from the 1940s where a lot of kids in the schoolyards and street corners wore those. There's some other significance to this I'm unaware of. Tell me. Um, so apparently like way back in the day, like they were like fedoras and the fedoras would sometimes tear and look like crowns apparently like that. They would like get all shabby and people would just like wear it like that. And, but he, he would wear a crown for like a really long time. Like it looked just like a crown. Right. And apparently like it's actually like, you know, a fedora that's just like messed up. (laughs) Chip cool. was walking yeah. around wearing a uh, crown at oh, yeah. NYCC. Yeah. <laughs> Broadway's got a photo of him uh, tearing open the top portion of his shirt and like closing his eyes and like like letting his tongue hang out of his mouth. It's <laughs> hysterical. He is funny. He's a funny dude. He is. he is a funny dude. And that was before she asked to take a picture. <laughs> Back to Jughead seventy. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like googling stuff right now, uh, but yeah, like. I don't know. Well, what did you think of the book? I I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it, I I honestly don't know. Like, I really like Archie. um, And I really enjoyed Jughead. I loved the art. I loved the story. But I don't know if it's something that I want to read on a weekly basis. Or not weekly, a monthly basis. Um, It was fun. But for me, it kind of jumped back to the whole feeling of, um, like, the digests and everything, which is nostalgic for me. And I, again, enjoy that. But I don't know if that's something I want to regularly kind of pursue um, month to month, whereas it might be more enjoyable for me to check out all in like one lump um, when it comes out in trade. Uh, So that was like my general feeling on it. Fun, but not monthly fun. All right. 
Bob. Here you go. Look, I read Jughead in the old days. You sat around at the dentist office, and they, they were on the, on the table or the barbershop or whatever. Uh, uh, to me, this re- I, I agree with Stephanie. This recaptured those Jughead stories of the long ago. So it's perfect creative casting in this artist and this writer to have you in that sort of place. For sheer enjoyment... I understand that the Archie and Eternity say anything against Mark Wade, who I love, because it's not mm-hmm. against him, really. But that that's repositioning Archie for a new audience and a new era. And this is mostly nostalgic with a little bit of that. Can we get people to read Jughead again? And maybe this needs to be a quarterly and not a monthly. But this was this was hysterical. Mm-hmm. I thought the dream sequences were, were very, very funny. Uh, game of Jones, <laughs> please. Uh, some of these quotes, I think. I think one is a direct knock at a Wonder Woman quote, where now it's food injustice instead of vegetative injustice. <laughs> it's just just classic sort of positions, but now with a modern sensibility. I really enjoyed the heck out of this. I was so glad you picked this, Stephanie. I wasn't last week. I have to say, I was really hoping for something different. But I'm so no. Thank you. I'm so glad you picked this because I had just a great time reading this. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, who would you think? Um, yeah, I sat it, sat and read it in the queue on. Uh, well, we were sat outside the artist yes, alley waiting to get in on Sunday. Um, and yeah, I, I was just sat there like chuckling to myself for sort of 15 minutes while I was reading it. Um, I'm not someone who has. I, I've never read much Archie and well before now, like at all. Um, so I. I I enjoyed what I read of Archie, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll collect the issues and read it as a chunk. Um, and I, I'll probably, I think I'll probably do the same with this because I think, like Steph said, I think it's, it's not one of those things. It's not going to be story heavy, and you know that's fine. That's fine. It's not. That's not what the book's about. And I, I just think it'll be a fun thing to sit down and read for like an hour, and just have a good time with. Um, but no, I, re- I really enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's chip at his best the art's brilliant um you know some things just cracked me up like i liked the bit when you know this I, I won't say how it ends up but somebody basically says to jughead when he's complaining about the food and he said well why don't you make your own food and he says it's like you can make food <laughs> and, then, and it goes from there and i just i just love like the, the spirit of it and the you know how fun it is and it's just a good fun light read and you know like i said i it it made me laugh and i like i said i'll I'll read it in chunks but you know i I, i'm definitely on board for it so it's good fun cool steve i liked it uh i don't know that the the it lost me a little bit during the dream sequence part the game of jones um but the i i've enjoyed between mark wade's book and this one getting to know the kids in riverdale and of course the the archie the, the horror archie stuff is way out there as, as far as um i guess getting to know them and their what's supposed to be their true forms but um would you say bob would you say that the characters act like themselves yes. in the archie they do mm-hmm. all right maybe i'm wrong but um i like the idea that jughead learns a valuable lesson from he becomes he becomes the good guy through kind of his own brand of selfishness and there's a there's a situation with Betty at the beginning where he kind of scoffs at her cause and is like, you know, I, I could care less. But as soon as it is something that affects him, he becomes very proactive 
and I like I really enjoyed kind of watching him uh, do that turnaround. And that that aspect of the book is really what what latched me on. And it's funny. And I like the way that it it feels like an Archie story, but it reads like a Chip Zdarsky book. And um, I just think it's amazing how they're they're taking these writers and putting them in these these characters that have been established for so long. And they're finding ways to make them to update them in a way that that doesn't feel too forced you know the 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 writing and the the humor and the comedy is safe in in certain mm-hmm. ways because Archie's a very wholesome franchise, but it manages to kind of dig and and snark enough to to appeal to me anyway that that like I'm the the jokes are are really hitting uh, for me when they're delivered, and um I be I mean I'd be curious to see where the book goes. I'd like to know where else they're going to explore with this character. I mean, this, I thought this would have made a really great one shot. Um, but the fact that it's going to be a series, I think is interesting. Uh, I would be a little hesitant to collect it every month, not knowing if it's going to have like a through line or if it's just going to be like, Oh, Jughead's at it again. You want like the Jonathan Hickman, like white board with a like, <laughs> no. Jughead. Yeah. No, Jughead not necessarily. saves the universe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I, it's I love Erica Henderson's art so much that and I do really enjoy Chip a lot. Um I'll probably I say it now, but I'll probably end up picking it up. But I, I wanna know that we're we're working towards something with the character because I already have Jughead. Jughead seemed a little bit different in Mark Wade's version than he is in this. You know, he's very down to earth in Mark Wade's and he's kind of the voice of reason in that well, at least in the first two issues. I haven't read the third. But he's kind of where everybody else is running around chickens with their heads cut off. As he says in this one, he's the realist. He's the one that's trying to pull everybody off the ceiling and be like, you know, that's not the way that you help Archie. This is how you help Archie. And he's very genuine. And in this one, he's kind of the jerk. So I, I, I'll be curious to see what Chip can do with him that he'll be able to to pull me into the jerk character uh, each issue as opposed to buying a trade. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a real sort of Brody from Mallrats type of vibe yes. from okay. him. Like, really that's that's sort of the, what I got from him, definitely. And uh, I, I loved it. And, and for me, both Archie and this um, occupy a space for me, which a lot of books can't, which is that I look forward to it as sort of a um, palate cleanser for all of the more intensive stuff that mm. I'm reading. Uh, you know, I I laughed out loud three or four times reading this book. Um, the, the the little bit that leads into the dream sequence, and then the part with sort of like the I don't know, dragonfly dragon yeah. who made me the, the the what he says to Jughead. Yeah, like I had I had to stop and I I started laughing and I was in a hotel room with my wife. And she goes, what are you reading? And I was like, I'm reading Jughead. <laughs> um, uh, so that that I loved. Um, I, I loved the art uh, by Eric Henderson, like everyone is saying. I think it fits really well. And, I, I, and you know, I, I think that, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be a through line. I don't think there's going to be a developing story. I think it's going to be, like you said, like, mm-hmm. here's Jughead's sort of, like, misadventures. I mean, I think this thing with the new principal is going to be sort of like a mm-hmm. through line yeah. as far as, like, this Jughead versus this principal over and over and over again. Zach Morris of Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the new threat. Yeah. <laughs> so I so I think that that will exist. 
But I think it, it will very much be like, you know, what goofy stuff is Jughead getting down to here? And there is a difference, obviously, between what he, way, way he is in Mark Wade's book and the way he is here. But I think that's just in service of sort of the story, right? Because the aspects of his character that play well in Archie don't wouldn't play as well as Jughead. He can't be the sort of down to earth guy as the sort of central kind of character in Jughead because he has to go on these misadventures. And Archie he gets to be just the person who sort of is there for Archie so he can be a little different I think um, but I think both occupy interesting spaces in where they are and like you were saying before Bob I love that I love that the characters it, it's not Chip Zdarsky and Eric Henderson or Fiona Staples and Mark Wade really coming in and changing who Archie and these characters yes. are but what they're doing is they're no longer shoehorning them into living in the 60s even even if and because what happens is that becomes just a joke after a while it becomes like okay i'm gonna read archie it's all it's all archie versus predator it's all archie meets glee it's all it's all this sort of stuff where it's like look how isn't it funny how like wholesome and outdated these characters are which there's there's fun to be had in, in those things but you know this is saying like we're not going to make fun of these characters anymore. We're going to let them be sort of who they are, but we're going to push them into modern times and give them modern references and modern sort of issues, um, but show you how universal those things can be, even even when we sort of push them into another era. Yeah, instead of being museum pieces, which they had been exactly. for so many years. Yes. And, and that's good on Archie as a company. And the yeah. gold were all those people who decided, you know, after Afterlife with Archie mm-hmm. and how this changed people's perception of the company and these characters, they remembered their nostalgia and their fondness. We all grew up with these at some level. Yeah. And uh, we can move them forward, but keep them the same. And mm-hmm. that's that's a tough juggling act. And they've managed it really across the board so far. Yeah. yeah. And from a, from a business standpoint alone, having the people that they've got on these books, you know, it, I, I wouldn't pick up an Archie book, you know, in all honesty... It, you know, when you put Mark Wade on a title, I'm gonna go. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. You put chip yeah. chip on something, I'm gonna check it out. And they're obviously taking this very seriously. You know, they've the, when they announced the book that like Fiona Staples was only gonna be on was it first six? Uh if it's even that, yeah, yeah. first five. Um, and you know now they've got Annie Wu taking mm. over. So <laughs> they're they're obviously it. You know, this sort of having big creators on these books isn't just a gimmick. They're obviously, you know running with this mm. and hopefully that'll you know for like i said from a business standpoint for for the company alone will get people buying their books and bring new notoriety mm. to things so like i said i've I've never read any any archie alone the first archie stuff i read was afterlife mm. um and you know it's gone from there so you know they're obviously Opening up a new audience. Absolutely. Yeah, the next announcement, Jonathan Hickman does Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> for, for 12 years. Yeah. Right, it's their tour. It's the world tour. Yeah. With the sad Rubicon. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephanie, do you have any closing thoughts about uh, Jughead? On a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> I want one, too. The power of infinite burgers. Mm. There's a hamburger joint opening up just a block away from me. What, like now? Weeks. Well, it's called Inferno. They've been building it for like two years. Mm. I'm excited. I do love hamburgers. I've heard they're really good. <laughs> building yeah. it for two years is Jonathan Hickman building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they have a they have like a, a food truck out in Mount Sinai that's always there, and it's always people lined up. And they bought this storefront next to the laundromat near my house. Nobody ever lasts there. I've, that thing has been so many things, 
but they bought it a while ago, and I swear, all of a sudden, like one night, I drive past it, and there's this big, flaming firelight in the in the the doorway or the, in the the foyer, and like now they have tables, now they have lighting, now there's like a counter, so it's it's happening, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually pretty stoked that I could just mm-hmm. walk like up the hill and go get a burger, and hopefully if it's a charbroil burger with all kinds of goodness on it. Ooh, I may have to come visit more often. <laughs> we can eat them. We watch uh, Fantastic Four. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we have some uh, listener oh, um, cool. reactions. Uh, Giant Monsters Attack says Jughead was fun. Zadarsky makes him as lovable and daft as he himself seems to be, and Henderson draws the hell out of it. Probably unfair to compare, but I think I prefer the main Archie title. However, they're both great. Looking forward to more. Um, Tim Varg- Varg- Varglish says, really enjoyed it, but I might be a little biased because I love hamburgers. Uh, Jesse <laughs> Bowden says, it was my first experience in the Archieverse, so I didn't get all the character jokes, but... Juglia Child, hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, Samuel Moon, who's at Type 40 Comics, says Jughead was a really funny book, uh, really fun book, great art and hilarious writing. Zadarsky was, has quickly become one of my favorite comic creators. If you told me two years ago that I'd be reading three Archie titles regularly, oh, semi regularly, in case of Afterlife, I call you a liar. Um, Sammy Cassell says Jughead number one was okay but not great some jokes fall flat some hit but misses are more than hits not a fan of the art either just okay making Jug a gamer made sense and it had old school feel but I like the main Archie book better um, uh, Otho M. Johnson the third says Jughead number one was great loved the debate between him and Betty and absolutely loved how he stuck to the principle um, Dr. Pumpkin Spice uh, <laughs> says I was basically the be- it, it was basically the best she did say I was basically the best, but I'm assuming she meant to say it was basically yeah. the best. How is Jughead now my comics boyfriend? When did that happen? Um, and Mike, who's at Liberal Bastion, says, actually like this better than the new Archie book. Might even buy a second issue. Mm. So, yeah. now. Um, yeah. I, I, will, I will say this. One thing I want to say before we, before we close the discussion. It doesn't have to be Jughead versus Archie. Archie. Which one do I like better? If I don't like, if I if I do like Archie, I don't like Jughead. If I, it doesn't have to be that. They're they're totally different books made by mm-hmm. totally different people. So it's just one of those things where comparative criticism is good, but they don't have to be always com- compared with one another. Very true. Um, let yourself enjoy both if you want to enjoy both. You don't have to like one or the other. Now, if it was Reggie, yes, yeah, so then it would be Archie versus. I don't want to. I don't want to even hear about a Reggie book. <laughs> um. Steve's turn to pick a book? I think so. I got one if you want it. Yeah, I think it's your turn yeah. to pick a book. Sweet. We, we've changed orders so many times, I don't even remember this yeah. point. I think we're actually back on the regular order now, though, if, if, as long as this no, holds up. No, that can't Was be. there an order? There was an there order. There was. Oh, okay. It was me, Stephanie, Steve, then Bob. <laughs> but that we lasted one round. We I haven't think, gone yeah. in that order in, in a really long time. All right, Steve. Did you lie to me? You look like you're looking. No, no, no. I just you're changing. I'm changing. Re- no, no, no. No, I'm not changing at all. I'm just realizing that the the synopsis is not a plot synopsis. It's more about just how the book came to be. Okay. So um, maybe just um, just give me a minute. And yeah. I'll, what's the uh, book though? It's um, Switch Number One from Image Comics, uh, written and drawn by Stepan Sejish. All right. So um, I'll try to find a uh, description maybe on uh, previews. Let's all see. Right, cool. Um, there's a, another big week this week, I think, with, with books. Huge. Yeah, huge, Marvel huge. have got it's all, it's starting all over again. again. Yeah, Marvel's yeah. number ones are coming out fast and furious. Uh, Spider-Gwen, New Avengers. Yeah. Uh, and um, Uncanny, I think, Avengers. No, I, uh, we, I saw Avengers. in the forums today, uh, the, well, X-Men two Avengers. Got, the X-Men got two pushed Avengers back. Yeah, oh, really? Avengers yeah. and Uncanny. Is it Uncanny? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, Don't correct me, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> Death Vigil trade this week. Mm, I'll I'll that's this week? Yeah. 
Oh, come on, internet. Twenty four ninety nine as well, which is weird for a an image one. But is that the complete count. story? It's eight or? issues though. That's ah, why. Okay. Instead there of the go. five or six. Is that it complete? Is there going to yes. be more? Or? Total. Well, if this sells, there'll be more. No, okay. Supposedly. Mm. So everyone go out and buy it. I will buy it. I'm definitely going to buy it because I, yeah. I, I have been wanting to read it for a long time, and now that's out in trade, I'm definitely going to check it out. Have, how have you done with Sunstone? Have you gotten into it? I haven't bit? read any of it yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't bring any physical things with me when I went on my trip this weekend because I just didn't. I just I yeah, my bags were already packed. All, yeah. So I was just reading digital stuff, so I didn't get a chance to, to read it yet. But, I just I just realized well. that I meant I walked past that so many times at the image booth, and I forgot to bloody pick it up. Is that all three of them? Yeah, I all know. three. You should say that, but you should say that in the Jason Statham voice. I forgot to fucking pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> what a dickhead. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good one. I like that. That was a good one. Um, all right, cool. So our book of the week Switch next week. Number one. Switch number one. Um, honorarily as well, Death Vigil trade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to find a... Now, my understanding, if I, you don't mind me throwing down a little bit... Mm-hmm. Throw down, it's, Bob. It's it's which <laughs> don't play it's, that. <laughs> it's it's which thank you. It's, <laughs> it's which blade turned on its head. Okay. In that the switch is it is now a teenage girl who discovers this powerful arcane. Okay. Oh, so it's a little bit. It's a little bit like uh, ninth generation then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's w- my understanding from what I've I've gleaned from it. Yeah, this week you got Captain America. Sam Wilson is out. Chewbacca is out. <laughs> All right, thank you. I don't Sorry. think there is a synopsis. <laughs> it says after millions of views on Deviant Art, this popular web comic finally gets its own series. A teenage girl gets a mighty artifact. There you go. That grants her immense powers. The catch: it's a bit haunted. This self-contained universe includes artifacts and characters from other series with permission in a delectably Stepan Sejish fashion. All right. I was yeah, going to say it's a bit it's, haunted. It's if the that's, top cow universe, so it's yeah, all right. that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I'll just oh, say okay. this. for if, if people are intimidated by the idea of other characters from, uh, from a universe being mixed and stuff, having just read Ninth Generation with that sort of setup, if anybody has done it that I, I've actually seen, Stepan Sejish does it extraordinarily well and i during comic-con i bought the like omnibus compendium giant 50 something dollar <laughs> uh aphrodite thing because of that ninth generation and because of his work gotcha. he does a very good job of of introducing new readers to the characters so i wouldn't mm. let you i wouldn't let that scare you off we also got guardians of the galaxy number one new avengers number one like like you said spider gwen number one um what's, i hate fairyland that's, Un- i hate fairyland yeah. that's the image book i was trying to remember uncanny avengers yeah. um number one is out as well so yeah a lot of stuff from marvel this week uh all right so um uh, i think stephanie we're gonna let you go now good riddance <laughs> wow i miss you already I'm sorry, yes, I'm we do. I miss you guys. yes i miss jason statham <laughs> He'll be back. I'll, I'll call you when I get home. And be like, All right, darling. I'm home. Gonna go over right, the guys. chippy now. All right, Stephanie. Did Follow I, Stephanie Steph- at Hello Cookie on on Twitter, and uh, we'll see you next week, Steph. We'll see you then. Right. Bye. Bye. Ciao. All right, she's gone. <laughs> we can talk dirt. Let's talk about his bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, New York Comic Con. That's yeah. a thing. It happened. It did. Yeah, boy, yeah, boy, I'm did physically it still feeling the effects of it. I only. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. This is a surprise because you barely went. 
I went for a day. Mm. I was ready. I was already exhausted after that one day. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we both were. By about three o'clock, <laughs> we were just like, oh, yeah. for God's sake. There was a point where we were standing, I don't remember what we were saying, on the Kitty Cook line. Yeah. I and don't think we even said anything to each other. Yeah. We just looked. And yeah. We were just like, we were just like yeah. <laughs> I loved, I saw a tweet that was just one line and it captured it so well. What even is Thursday anymore at New York City Comic Con? No, it's not. No. No. A clusterfuck. Yeah. Oh, Dude. that day that was the press only, pros only, VIPs. Bullshit. I can wa- I can wander around and buy and see and talk to. No, that's gone. It's you can't fr- even Thursday is Friday. You can't even get into a friggin' Attack on Titan <laughs> panel with a yeah. press pass these days. <laughs> nope. Um, no, you cannot. I, I, I will say that the one thing about Thursday was Artist Alley was. Well, I mean, it was busy, but it wasn't like it was nice. It was insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we walked the show floor. I was with you most of the day, except when he failed to get in the Attack on Titan <laughs> battle. It was the only time we weren't together. And yeah, the show floor was nuts um, mm-hmm. the whole day. And interestingly enough, and I we've talked about this, you know, before, but the area that was is usually not that busy, which is sort of like that the block area, which is like you know random vendor yeah. area, mm-hmm. was honestly the most clogged of any part of the entire show floor because it had the Funko Pop thing it had yep. the Toy Tokyo thing it had it had um, the sorry Adam yeah <laughs> well, it, was, it was that Funko corner right yeah. Toy Tokyo the one corner the Funko by admission only invitation whatever booth they were doing yeah. and that other Funko block yeah and then the Marvel um, collectors thing too what are they called uh, the Collectical the Collectical yeah, yeah, yeah that was slightly outside it but yeah there was yeah. always a massive queue for that yeah and I think the Loot Crate that Beast was in yeah. that area as well. Yeah. yeah, that Funko setup, that thing got cleaned. Yeah, I cleaned. bet. Cleaned. I tried to go and like do some coverage and stuff over there on Sunday. I couldn't get anywhere near it mm-hmm. the other days. So I was like, yeah. oh, let me try now. They had, I mean, they had multiples of like specialty Funkos and exclusive Funkos and all of that. They had like four, like four types of things, lots of them, but like four things left of that one thing. And I was just like, what am I even here for? Yeah. And no offense, Funko Pop, I love you. I have about 70 uh, Funko Pops. Do yourself a favor, and when you have people that are manning your booth at something as large as New York City Comic Con, make sure they're a little friendlier with oh, the people too, yes. waiting online that are waiting eagerly to check out your wares, because flat out, you had some dicks working at that thing. And I'm not afraid to say it because I I was very courteous. I was Too damn courteous. dicks on a show floor. all weekend, <laughs> and they were they were rushing and nasty and barking. And it it is not something that I associate with uh, your products. And I know you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funko are definitely listening to this. Like you will not believe what Steve talking comics yeah, said. Um, yeah, gotta get our shit together. The whole the whole company right yeah. now is like. Oh. But I just imagine the whole board is just like human Funko people. <laughs> big yeah. Heads. Like big yeah. heads and those like black Talking eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, oh my God. Like, I, always, I always associate those toys. You've seen how many I have. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. always associated. Like I have good memories with them. A lot of them, like I got them somewhere special. They mean something to me. So I associate it with like happy stuff and, and like, you know, just friends and whatever. Like I bought everybody Funkos at the, at the show and everything like that. And it's just going over there and I understand it's Sunday and you're tired and there's, there's, People don't know what they're doing when they're trying to, you know, queue up in a line for uh, for stuff. But oh my god, it was it wasn't even just one person. It was like four people 
that were just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you buying anything? Where are you going? Like, you see anything? You don't see anything? All right, next person. Why don't you step away? Get, no, don't do that with the rope. Go around. No, go. Go around. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Wow. But anyway. Welcome. I have lots of stories from Comic Con. <laughs> Welcome the, the to ones. capitalism, my friend. That's one of them. Um, <laughs> I got lots. But I, yeah, Thursday. I mean, I ended up having a great day on Thursday. Hmm. Um, we got to, ta- got to talk to a few people. Um, talk to you heard the interviews after this. Joshua Williamson, Paul Azaceta, mm-hmm. who, who was the artist for Outcast. Um, we got to talk. I got to talk to Vivek Tiwari, who is yeah, the writer of the Fake Beetle. Nice yeah, all great and ton of fun. You. Know, you know, Joshua is always like you ask him two questions and he talks for twenty five minutes. You know, so it's and he's all, he has all these great stories and I he's just really, really yeah. well spoken and really nice and awesome. Um, so I had three interviews all told on, on on the first day, and then he and I spent a lot of the time just kind of walking around. We kind of marched the show floor for a little while. Mm-hmm. We saw uh, talking games, Justin Townsend for what what amounted to about two minutes. Wow, I didn't see him at all. We saw him for two minutes. Well, we had to like hunt him down in order, in wow. order to find him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we saw him for about two minutes and then we split up and then never saw him again. No. <laughs> um, I think he went home. Yeah. <laughs> and, but we spent a lot of time in Artist Alley. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, I think all of us got something from Kenny Artist Cook. Artist Alley this year yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, I did. like, it was, it was great last year, but this year was fantastic. Yeah. There was a lot of cool stuff going on down there. Yeah. Um, Bob's, Bob's got his book. got his fantastic oh you got oh Cook. let me see that <laughs> I got so cool. um, Burnside Batgirl with a uh, thug beaten up with X's for eyes <laughs> and his tongue hanging out and yeah. <laughs> she has one foot on top of him and she's kind of got this big shit eating grin on her face <laughs> it's awesome uh, uh, Bob this is great yeah so that was great and she she's delightful and, and so it's amazing to watch her just sort of just paint for like three hours straight without, yeah. without she a break she just churns those things out she's yeah. just like five minutes bam there you go and yeah. it's just you know these really cute little things and she's just yeah. on it, it just, she must she must have done so many of those things oh my god I can't even imagine how I, well, she, she's so personable while she does mm-hmm. it I, I wanted to I had little bits and pieces Stephanie got me uh, for Christmas a couple of years ago a She-Hulk mm-hmm. so, okay I'm going to start doing a whole Fantastic Four thing mm-hmm. so I had a, a Franklin Valdon that Steve took care of for me while I was going to a panel last year mm-hmm. I went I want to do all four at once so I presumed while she was about to start, well, I have this idea. Where she, I got it. Don't <laughs> worry. I got it. And it's the four of them all using their powers at once and Reed's hand stretching up over the top and making a little wave. It's perfectly Katie Cook and perfectly Fantastic Four at the same time. And just, yeah, I, I bow to your wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I got a little one done with um, Totter and Hello Kitty for my lovely lady. Yes. Which I'm sure she'll appreciate. That's my... Yes. Contradiction is buying something with Totoro and or Hello Kitty. You got both for her. Yes. I did <laughs> in one, mm. and I bought her a print as well. I got to show her my tattoo. No, oh, nice. She was really oh, touched. Yeah. She nice. said she's she's seen a couple of people that have tattooed her art. Um, she said it was like one of the best ones. Cool. And I tried to, I tried to approach her about like a relatively large commission piece, not for the con, mm-hmm. obviously outside of the con. She, she wasn't really too into it. Oh yeah. She was. Uh, it's. She's like, yeah. It sounds really daunting. And I'm like, all right, like we don't have to do it. She's like, maybe. She's like, email me. We'll talk. I was like, all right. So uh, I want to get, um, nobody steal my idea. I want to get a, a, like one of those log flume rides where you're, like, you're going down mm-hmm. and they take the snapshot of like everybody reacting and whatever. And I want it to be Batman with a bunch of his villains and like Batman just having this sour puss 
frown on his face, having no fun at all. And like Harley Quinn screaming, yelling, losing her mind. Um, another one, maybe Catwoman, like frightened of going down. And meanwhile, the scarecrow sitting next to her kind of with a, with a needle mm. taking the, the fear out of her. She's going down like a couple of like little cool, creative things or whatever. And she's like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of characters in one <laughs> thing. And I'm like, all right, like, yeah. but we'll talk. She's so super sweet though. Yeah, she is like all weekend. She just had this big smile on her face and, you know, yeah. to, you know, it's, it's well documented. There's some, you know, some, you don't always catch people on a good moment. That's completely understandable. People aren't going to be happy all the time. But, you know, all weekend, every time I walked past, she was, you know, just being really nice, really smiley. And, you know, that's, that says a lot about her, her person. Because mm-hmm. after four days of sitting there drawing those things, she, you know, that that's tiring in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was speaking to um, Rosie and Ted, who were to do the um, princeless. On Sunday, they were saying, you know, they were broken because, you know, they sat hunched over a table all weekend drawing and, it, you know, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, it's hard walking around, but it's, you know, when you're, you know, hunched over yeah. a piece of paper all day, every day, the, Ted was saying, like, he, he basically got to the point where he was switching between standing up for 10 minutes to draw and sitting down to ten, yeah, for 10 yeah. minutes to draw. So, Just so you know, the to, parts don't work, yeah. yeah. So to, to keep yourself in good spirits, in that, just hit the bottom of it, Steve. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to keep yourself in good spirits after four Donna. days of doing that is, you know, that says there's a, you know, she was a credit to what she does. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, there was another table that was a double feature of that, that, and and to, to talk about Batman commissions and mm-hmm. things like that, there was a table that was Marguerite Bennett and Erica Henderson. Now, Marguerite, first of all, comes completely dolled up. Yep. Every yeah, every show she treats us, it's a gala. At her table is a bowl of candy. Big bowl of sweets. <laughs> you you get something. You, you give a little to the hero initiative. She doesn't charge for mm. autographs, but if if you contribute or not, you get a, you get a candy. Yeah. And she signs the And next to her is Erica Henderson, who who did for me. I I I had bought last year before she even did Squirrel Girl. She with her dad did uh, Baby's First Mythos. So it's it's a Cthulhu board book for little ones who love horror. Now uh, my friend Ed. And his wife Dawn, who were in our movie last time around. Let me find it here. So they have a little boy named Ash, named after, of course. I will pass that over. And if if you if you guys <laughs> oh, look at the, if you look at if you look at the first page, it, this tome belongs to Ash, and she drew <laughs> a little tiny baby in a diaper with a chainsaw for a hand. Nice. And. Which she's just completely the baby, baby. Yeah, completely winning <laughs> nice. and just utterly charming as her book. And that now she it's Squirrel Girl. Every print you had her do of anything, every signature she had had something added to it. So I have the cover for Squirrel Girl one as a print, and it's two Bob with two little acorns drawn. <laughs> it's just you know there are people who are so in love with the idea of wow. I do this really fun thing for a living. I get paid, and maybe not a millionaire's paycheck, but wow, what a lovely community to be yeah. part of, and whatever. And as as things are getting interesting and different and varied, we all had part of it. Now, Hugh, t- please tell about the commission you got, <laughs> which is just incredible. Um, yeah, I I, can't, I think it was yeah it was Friday. Me and Aaron were walking around um, Artist Alley, and I I had a blank variant of. Um, Batman and Robin Eternal number one in my bag and I was kind of thinking oh, I want to find someone to do something on this 
I could, I really couldn't decide who. And um, I'd seen she was there, and you know, I'm a big fan of Squirrel Girl. I love that book, and I, I, I'd love the art on it. So I was just walking around, and and she had a she had a card with a price list on it. So I, was, you know, stood stood at the table, and I was looking sort of down the price list of what she had, and you know, sketches hundred dollars. I was like, yeah, that's not too bad, you know, you know, for someone doing one. You know, on the hop type thing, yeah. you know, because uh, like last year with Declan Shelby, I contacted him months in advance. So I was, I was today, there, I was like, um, you know, but Squirrel is Batman, that would be quite fun. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what I should do, whether I should or not. And Aaron was like, dude, you know, do it. He was like, if you're going to walk away, if you go home without doing it, you're going to think, oh, shit, I should have done yeah. that. So I was like, all right, screw it. So I went up to her, I was like, put the book in front of her and she just sort of looked at it like with a bit of a sort of quizzical look <laughs> on her face and she was like where is this going and I was like can you do me Squirrel Girl as Batman she was like oh my god yeah that's a great idea and I, I'm not sure who he was but there was a guy sat next to me she was like man that is a great idea and he went off on this whole story about like how um, he wanted to like he gave the idea of uh, in one issue of Squirrel Girl having like a cross section of um, like Squirrel Girl's utility belt and having like all like different nuts inside of it. <laughs> but apparently that got, you know, poo pooed. I was like, dude, you should uh, push for that again. That sounds like fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I went back to her on Sunday and picked it back up and it's just absolutely brilliant. It's, uh, I love it. So that'll take pride of place next. I'll get that framed yeah. and put it on my wall next to my. Uh, Declan Shelby, super, uh, Batman. So, yeah, that'll be a nice counterpoint because I've now got a serious Batman piece. Right, yeah, <laughs> she, she's crouching on a gargoyle. I mean, it's Gotham <laughs> City. There are gargoyles. Yeah. But wasn't she saying that they had almost contemplated doing a dark night? Yeah. She was <laughs> the gonna... lightning flashing oh, and her coming down. And... and she was like, yeah, well, I reconsidered and went for that one. So, um, and she, she is... She's lovely. She's just, you know, a really sweet person. She's really nice to talk to. And, you know, I'm I'm abs- like absolutely over the moon with it. Cause sometimes you don't necessarily, you know, as horrible it is to say, and it, all these people are brilliant at what they do, but you might you not necessarily get what you exactly what you, what you want. Yeah, you, um, have, a yeah, you, you, you have a picture in your head. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's your own fault type yeah. thing. You, you shouldn't, like, go into it expecting something. They're putting their own spin on it. But what she did was just perfect absolutely perfect it was exactly what i had in my mind so i love it awesome awesome yeah i mean uh at the end of day one we ended up uh, waiting on annie Wu's line yeah uh she was she was sketching um she's one of the coolest people in the world yeah and one of the things you said was she looks like a character that she would draw you know (laughs) uh, um in the best way possible she has one of the most badass haircuts yeah. I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She's got like a septum pierce, yeah. so she's got like this hoop in her nose, and yeah. it's like one side of her head shaved, and there's a big sort of like shocking swoop of white hair going yeah. over her head and a leather jacket. Yeah. And I was just like, she's a rock star. Yeah, definitely yeah. a rock star. Shit, I wish I was cool as you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Hugh, like Hugh had had in his all day, he had wanted to go to talk to Annie Wu and, and get a sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we at the end of the day, uh, we we got on the line, and I had absolutely no intentions of getting anything. I had already already commissioned a piece. I was picking up a commission at the con, um, and I had commissioned a piece that day. Um, and I will say that 
uh, Eric Donovan, who does Mimetic, which we talked about earlier. Nice. Super um, cool dude. Uh, super cool dude. I asked him to do uh, Big Boss for me from Metal Gear Solid. Nice. Um, and I got a full figure. And when you get a full figure, you expect sort of just a full figure, blank background. Mm-hmm. He drew like an entire scene for me wow. with the character. It was amazing. He was saying to me, but because um, like I was saying before, before I interviewed him and James Tynan, um, I you know got there a bit early just to sort of like have a chat with him mm-hmm. just to break the ice because I was a bit nervous. Um, and he was saying that I I passed on the message, you mm-hmm. know, thanked you for him, and um, and just basically said to him, like I was. I was like, Bobby's really pleased with what you did. And he was like, you know, amazed with like how far you went with it. Mm. And he was like, yeah, you know, when I do commissions, I kind of want to, you know, I I don't want to just like draw what the person wanted, you know, just this character. He was like, you know, I want to put a bit of a, a bit of a story into mm-hmm. it. And I was like, that's amazing. I was like, you know, not everybody, you know, takes, will take the time to do that. They'll just, you know, do a headshot or mm-hmm. just, you know, just draw the character, which is fine because, you know, these these people are fucking busy. Yeah. Um, But he was like, yeah, I had really good fun with it. You know, I, I wanted to, like, capture the spirit of what Big Boss is. And I was just like, man, that is, you know, for... For someone who's as busy as you to take the time to do that, that was, you know, really, really cool of you. Absolutely. And he absolutely did. You know, it's this great scene of, you know, him standing behind a corner in the in the shadow, you know, with his like tranquilizer pistol, and right on the mm. other side of this doorway is some poor, unsuspecting soldier <laughs> who's gonna get knocked out. That's awesome. You know, and you can see the door he has to go in yeah. next. So it's like a whole it's the scene is all all played out. Yeah, you can that. write your own story it, wherever it, you need to, yeah. Exactly, which is awesome. And and I tweeted at him and I said, Hey, thanks so much, man. He goes, Oh no, worry about it. It's one of my fi- one of my favorite ones I've ever done. And the experience I had with him, which is, I was like, hey, do you, do you, he didn't have a sign up or anything. I said, do you, are you doing commissions? Because I was looking through Mimetic. I had in my mind I wanted to get a big boss, but I didn't know who I was going to get it from. I thought about doing Erica Henderson because I thought that would be funny to get like a yeah. big boss done by Erica Henderson. But I was like looking through Mimetic and stuff, and I was like, you know what? There's some stuff in here that's like, it's like the look I'm, I want. So I asked him, are you doing commissions? And commissions? He said, yes. And, I, and he's like, what do you want? And I said, I'm thinking about getting Big Boss from Metal Gear Solid. And his like face sort of <laughs> like lit up. Do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was a great feeling because you want someone who's going to be excited about what you ask them to do, not just like, I'm doing this thing, like, you know, I'll do it because I want the money, but I'm not really super excited about it. He was like excited about it when I said it, which was great. So we're, this takes me back to the line with Annie Wu. So I'm, I'm behind him and I, we're sitting there and I'm watching her sketch all this stuff and it all looks fantastic. And I'm like, I don't I, I don't think I, I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it maybe I'll do it maybe I'll do it it was a bit of a similar thing to me and Aaron because I was yeah. just like you know you want to go on yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he was he was goading me along and then I was like by the way you owe me a hundred dollars I don't know you a hundred dollars <laughs> um and then he uh um I'm like okay I, I'm gonna do it so it was like right as he was stepping up to get a sketch, um, and she did an awesome Batman for you. Yeah, um, it's really it's fucking. It's cool. great. Uh, it's really awesome. And then I'm like, okay, so I'm I'm like, I want to get something for my wife. She's a big Archie fan, and he's about to start drawing Archie. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll ask her for an Archie character, but I don't want to ask for Betty or Veronica because then it's just like a person. It's just like a, a person. It's not. There's nothing. And even Archie, there's not a lot of. When it's, there's no color, there's not a lot of iconography to, to the character. Sure. Um, the most iconic looking Archie character is Jughead because he has the crown, he has whatever. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do Jughead, uh, um, and, and Karen will love it. So I, I, I go up to Henny and I go, she goes, what, what do you want? And I said, I want Jughead. And there was this moment where she kind of looked at me, 
And I, I had a brief moment where I was like, she's going to be like, I can't do that. But that's, that's, that's what, I, that's <laughs> yeah. what I felt. Yeah. And it was, a mo- and then she goes, she looks at me and she goes, fucking yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I fucking love Jughead. <laughs> yeah. Nobody asked me to draw a Jughead at a convention. No one's ever asked me to. Um, and she did it and it was amazing. We got to sit there and watch her do it, which is mm. great. And, you, and I did like a time lapse of it and it's on my Twitter. But you can, it goes from, it's amazing to see something go from nothing to something in, in yeah. such a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, I I did a Periscope stream of um, like her doing my Batman um, sketch, and we were discussing Bruce Wayne's allergies. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a bizarre conversation. It was a, it was great but, though. Yeah, she seemed mildly amused. Yeah, which is a good thing. But yeah, just watching that that's what I love. I don't. I I think I was saying to Bob, I was like, I don't. I've got no problem standing there for an hour waiting for someone when you can s- s- basically stand there and see them doing what they do like i i can't draw for toffee i'm terrible and just seeing people like people like that playing their trade and just being absolutely brilliant of it spending like 10 15 minutes um you know just knocking up these amazing sketches is just incredible and then you know it's just a brilliant thing to be able to you know it's a privilege to watch does Annie Wu sketch first, or does she just go right into... Does she she sketches first. Basic pencils, okay. yeah. yeah. And then she goes over it with, um, like, a fine, you know, back over the outline and sort of pads it out, rubs, you know, gets an eraser and, you know, gets rid of the, the basic outline. She used Copics then to, you know, do the shading and stuff like that. And I was saying to her, I was like, how do you remember which which one is which? Because she's just like... She'd look for a few seconds and go, yep, that's the one pop the top off and then do do a bit of shading put the cap back on pick up another one and i'm just like this is like witchcraft (laughs) (laughs) incredible yeah um and then uh after that we went and we went to the beer authority we did and we had met up with a a few talking comics listeners and it was awesome Mm. got a a really nice burger too yeah it was it was uh, yeah Yeah. your burger looked i had a lamb burger so mm-hmm. it was like it was lamb. It was almost like a gyro, but a burger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was as a Welshman, I was greatly offended by you eating a sheep in front of me. I gotta say, why? Don't worry. Okay, <laughs> people who are British will understand that. Okay, <laughs> Maria will get that joke. <laughs> um, I thought it was safe. I ordered what was an appetizer, mm-hmm. and they served me a giant squid fried up. <laughs> <laughs> that was like two yeah, pounds of fried so squid. Much calamari yeah, on your yeah. plate. It was brilliant. Uh, but that was really good, and, and thank you to everybody who came out because yes. that was great. We just got to have some great, great conversations and, and hang out for a little bit, and that was awesome. Yeah, it was really awesome. Um, Bob, what are some of your highlights from the from the four days? Um, I got to reconnect with people I hadn't seen in, in many years. Uh, Walt Simons, who never seemed to ever be at his table whenever <laughs> I went past there, he was the first time and then disappeared. He's like a ghost, <laughs> and. Uh, he was there with, with his wife, Louise, Louise Jones, who created Power Pack, who I, I loved for so many years to talk about on the show, and got to walk up and say, hey, you remember you used to come to the store, Long Island Comics, back in the 80s? But I remember I used to go there all the time. We had such great times. And he went, but I didn't do that. I'm walking up with a Power Pack. I didn't do that one. Yes, I'm, I'm here for Louise. Sorry, Walt. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That's great. And maybe someday we'll hear him here on the show. Um, for me, a huge, a huge meet was well, uh, Jan Dersima, who did re- for recent readers uh, the Nightwing Oracle miniseries during the Convergence. Yeah, yeah. But in Wonder Woman three hundred, as the first woman to draw that character in her regular book, mm. 
And so to see veteran creators come out, she she signed my book, and and it's just get yeah. to say thanks be, yeah, that's to moments, someone who's meant something like for those years. Make a convention what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I tried to get to see Jim Shooter, but I felt so bad. I saw him walking down the stairs, and he's probably my age, but looks to be about a hundred. Uh, he's a he's a big fella. He's about six foot six, and I think the bones are not quite working. But it was just the good thing was he had a huge line at these shows. This one and certainly special edition, maybe even more so because they creators kind of just all comic books. The veteran creators are really treated with a lot of respect, and people show up with boxes and boxes of books to do. Um, anyone go to any panels? I, I I did lots of panels over the weekend. It's just so you were only the one day. I was only one day. I, didn't, yeah. do any, I didn't, didn't do any panels because I was only there the one day. Um, I know that you guys did the all new, all different Marvel panel, right? Yeah. 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 What, what's, that? What's, I, what's wrong? Me. <laughs> um, I've got to admit. So, like, um, this year was a, I enjoyed this year as much as I did last year, but for like completely different reasons. Like last year was, it was my first New York Comic Con, so that um, in itself was. Um, you know that that added to it, but there were so many just like, you know, blockbuster announcements, and I, you know I was there live tweeting them for talking comics, and you know I was just like, this is amazing, you know I was uh, you know loving it for that respect. The panels this year, um, were I don't know they were a bit on you know inconsequential. There wasn't much to them. There was there was a you know a a, a smattering of cool announcements. You know I think. I think throughout the the panels I went to the you know the uh, announcements that I was interested you know that sort of piqued my interest which were probably the only ones actually um were you know as a Captain Marvel YA novel coming mm-hmm. um and I've I've not heard of the people who are doing it but the reaction to them writing it seems to be fairly positive so I'll have to research about them to find out why that is um the spider women um event that sounds like it'll be fun you know having all those you know the females you know spider folk um in in the same book and you know getting their their own moment as opposed to it being just you know a spider burst thing and they Mm -hmm. just happen to be there um but yeah for the most part it was like half an hour of just like here's a cover here's some interior art Mm -hmm. here's another cover here's some interior art questions and you know for the most part we we just came out of them feeling a bit sort of like no i'll, I'll just say they were they were a bit disappointing when they yeah. bob I, I and think... that carried through every marvel panel the dc panels we saw in various yeah. bits and pieces are they holding announcements back or in some cases did they release some too soon mm. yeah we the were black saying... panther announcement yeah. would have been perfect for here and they did speak about it. I went to a Black Comics Month panel, and they talked about that and about David Walker's Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, considering he was there, it would have made like complete sense to have him have him show up on a Marvel panel for people to go, "Why is why is he here? What's he doing here?" Yeah. And for them to go, "This dude's writing this book," and for people to go, "That's cool," you know that like last year it just seemed to be you know obviously like I said it, I I think the the way the that Marvel and DC have structured the way they're releasing things just seem to have worked against them this year. 
Um, but like you say, they've made two really big announcements re- recently. Like obviously the the Black Panther one with who's writing that. Like I I don't know much about. I can't remember his name. Tanahisi Coates. That's the one. Um, like he's you know from what I can tell, he's you know that's that's a big that's a big deal. You know, announce that at a convention and just have it be like. You know, have all these like news outlets just like flood it out there and just, you know, have announce it in front of a few thousand people. Um, you know, like I said, have David F. Walker just show up on this Marvel panel and just have people going, what's he doing here? You know, he writes Cyborg. You know, what's what's going on? Um, so, yeah, I just think I just think the way that they've structured the structured their releases and stuff like that worked against them this year. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was the Q and A's at times, like it was, you know, I'm, I'm always interested when, when Scott Snyder speaks, it's all like, I'll open my ears and gladly like drinking everything he's got to say. And again, he's just such a humble person. Like the first thing he did when someone asked him a question before he even answered it, he just took the chance to go, thank you all for being here. This is the reason why, you know, you're all the reason why we do this. And then he answered the question. And, you know, um, there's some things that, you know, about him personally that he seems to be being a bit more open about, which makes you respect him that much more for, like, you know, his writing is an outlet for, you know, certain things that are going on. You know, he's been saying, you know, he's basically said recently that he suffers with, about a depression and um you know for someone of that notoriety to come out and say stuff like that is you know for people who suffer with stuff like that as well is is a big deal um and listening to him speak about it and like i said he, you know i love scott snyder i'll you know gladly read and listen you know everything that guy does and listen to everything he says um so that was kind of cool but announcements wise it was you just came out of there thinking ah, was that it and you know, I I only went to I think it was three panels um, this time around, and they were all just a bit like I enjoy, I enjoyed the um, Marvel Unlimited Plus members um, panel. Thank you for getting me into yeah. that, by the way, Lauren. <laughs> yes, we have been joined by Lauren Collins. It's her birthday, so happy, happy birthday, birthday, Lauren! Happy, happy birthday. birthday, Lauren! And she brings her own cake. She brought, which she is brought great. us cake. It's yeah. the reverse of what's supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah. It's like being, I have to do that in work. When it's my birthday, I have to bring cake to work, which is odd. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, no. where's me? Yeah. Um, anyway, back on point. Um, yeah, I mean, there was some cool stuff at that panel. They were showing us um, uh, like pages and stuff. That you know, they, it was just the raw art. There was no. They haven't. They'd yet to be coloured. And they showed us a scene from Agent Carter season two, which was really funny. Um, and um, a little bit like it's out there. They've released it now. I I think I haven't actually watched it. I'm thinking what they've released of Daredevil season mm-hmm. two. Yeah, they released it. It's the same of what we saw. Um, so that was cool. But the panels as a whole this year were just a bit, you know, wishy-washy. There wasn't much to them. Yeah, I mean, I think that in general, what you're going to, I mean, it's already started to happen, but I think that, the big companies are de-emphasizing conventions to announce things because they don't want to announce things on someone else's timetable, on someone else's dime. They don't want to pay to be somewhere to announce the books they want to announce. Mm-hmm. Marvel can have their own event. They can have their live stream. You know, we, you talk about it getting everywhere at least news outlets. When ta Coates got announced as Black Panther, it was everywhere. It didn't matter. You know, it, yeah. and that's the thing right now. It doesn't matter anymore. You don't need to announce things 
where everyone gathers anymore because everyone is always gathered if you just give them the press release, you know? Um, and I think it's not it's not as fun, obviously, people who are attending the show, but I think you're going to see that more and more. I mean, you see Marvel didn't go to Comic-Con in San Diego mm-hmm. with, with their movie stuff. So, you know, and they're, they probably never will go again at this point because yeah. they don't need to anymore. They can hold their own event and do their own thing and then not have to worry well, about it. I just it. mean, like, it was a bit weird how, like, to the best of my knowledge, I, might, I I could be wrong about it, but like the thing with the um, Ant Man and the Wasp announcement, and them saying that there was, they, you know, there's three Marvel movies in twenty. Yeah, I don't think that happened on a panel. No, it didn't. No, no the, Mar- the Marvel movie side wasn't at Comic Con at all. But that got released on the first day of New York Comic Con. You're just like, oh. well, because they know everyone's paid attention to comics and, and that moment. I know, but it's like, just... I know, but, but you have to separate yourself from. An attendee of the con to what, thinking about what what the Marvel we would want be doing. it all. But yeah, I, I know, I know, I know but I'm, right, and yeah. I agree with you. I'm not saying I'm not yeah. saying it's the wrong thing to want it now. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying that that's the reason, kind of why it, it's not happening in, in those ways. I mean, Marvel did show. I mean, Marvel did show uh, the full first episode of Jessica Jones at yes. at their panel, and I will say, Hugh guessed that, and I was like, no way, and it, and it happened. Lauren saw it. Oh, Lauren, you were there. And hi- was oh, give Lauren a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna be a part of some of my stories. As give well. give Lauren a microphone. Uh, hello, hello, Lauren. Lauren, tell me about Jessica Jones. All right, so we got there. Um, I got there. Uh, we did uh, the first was the Daredevil. So they brought out cast. They had season two trailer, which of course gave us a very small smidge of Punisher and Elektra. Everybody seems on point. It seems the writing's on point. So we're excited about that. Jessica Jones, they basically said, oh, we don't have a clip. We have the whole episode. So, of course, everybody went nuts, and uh, we got to see the episode. Now, everybody, of course, has been raving, raving, raving. For me, there was a little bit of exposition. Um, I know a little bit about the character, unlike Daredevil, where I have a little bit more reading. and I have a little bit more invested in that. Jessica Jones, um, an alias, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not so involved in that. So, from what I understand from people who have read it, who was around me, they felt that it was to point. Um, and the exposition, I felt, went on a little bit too long in the first 15 to 20 minutes. But then once it got going, it, it really, this, this episode is very centered around the Purple Man. You don't see David Tennant. You just see purple vignettes. Like, Daredevil really focused on color vignettes. This also does the same thing so when the purple man was around all of a sudden everything got really dark you felt this ominous pressure on jessica the purple man gets into your head and then manipulates whoever's around so you really felt that and you hear him and then you'll see him kind of pop in from like left or right corner but that's it he's very menacing the way they put him out there even if suggested is very menacing and then by the end of the episode you're like all right, like Daredevil, I got to see the whole thing. Mm. You know, you're you're totally hooked in. And considering what they did with Daredevil, I'm going to watch it. I mean, they did such a fantastic job with Daredevil. It's going to happen. You're going to binge watch it the first night on <laughs> November 20th, and you're just going to be like, I'm calling in sick with the thing. So <laughs> I got a thing, and I got to watch Jessica Jones. <laughs> How was Kristen happen. Ritter, by the way? On point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on point. Um. She definitely shows uh, a very broken human being, a person who is just very fed up with life. Um, you you t- see little touches of her powers, nothing insane. Her with Luke Cage is fantastic. 
they are totally like it is in the comic. They definitely had they hit it off very well. Um, in this particular episode, though, I think it's just more of a first encounter. It's not like fleshed out entirely, but you also get an idea that Luke is also a person with a past in history. They didn't go into it, obviously, mm-hmm. but. Um, I forgot the gentleman's name who plays Luke Cage. Um, Mike Coulter. Thank yeah. you. Uh, also fantastic. He's very comfortable. This is a very different Luke Cage in, in the way we know him in the comics. But we haven't seen his rough side yet. We haven't seen the rough edges. We're just seeing the guy who's behind the bar and the bartender who's talking to Jessica and sort of getting the little banter back and forth. But that banter works very, very well. So they're very cohesive. Awesome, yeah. yeah I, I, I definitely the all obviously all the uh, the press coming out was was very positive. I mean, the Purple Man is a very uh, seedy villain to use. I mean, he's he's, he's his dark. his power is very creepy. It's such a creepy power to yeah. have. I can't because we we have like a little bit of suppression on this because mm-hmm. you know your promise. Yeah. The Purple Man, I like the fact that they're not, they, they brought him, like Daredevil, they just bring everybody out. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're not force-feeding it down your throat. The fact that he was suggestive, it's more psychological. You also see that Jessica had a history with him. Um, again, I don't have much into it, so I was asking people around me who did, and they said that's definitely very much going to be a part of it. But you can tell, and this is where Kristen really gets it down, you really see how Jessica is terrified of the Purple Man. She is. That's why she drinks. I mean, mm. she is totally terrified of this guy. She she wants to leave town. And she's like, you know what? You're on your own. <laughs> I'm out of here. Because she knows she has superpowers. And this guy has telepathic powers. So she's like, if he takes over me, what could he possibly use me for? And she sees that he's using other supers or other human beings to do really, really horrific stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's definitely, this is going to be a David Tennant like you've never seen David (laughs) Tennant before, but, um, at the Women of Marvel panel, they actually had not only the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, costume designer, but they also had the Jessica Jones costume designer, and they were talking about how the vignettes of him, it's not going to be comic booky purple, it's going to be nice layers of contrast of purple in his outfit, so Mm -hmm. it's not going to be violent, but you're definitely going to know when he's there and when he's not there. Right. But I really love the set design. They're doing exactly what they did with Daredevil with the vignettes and the background colors and and all of that. So you're still maintaining a very seedy part of New York, but so colorful, so comic book brought to life. Mm-hmm. You know all the great parts of Daredevil right awesome. there. Awesome. So um, is uh, Trish in it? Trish Walker in the first episode? Hellcat? I mean, she's not Hellcat in the, in the show, but kind of, sorta. Kind of, sorta. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's awesome. No, I'm, I'm excited. And there's voiceover right it's like noari voiceover that's what i heard at least a little bit yeah, yeah. a little bit of narration yeah. a little bit of her talking out loud mm-hmm. um i mean she's obviously narrating the first parts right. the exposition but right. for the most part um you know because she's explaining new york she's explaining herself you know she's relatively unknown she's obviously not like daredevil or any of the other superheroes where they're kind of more established they're gonna have to sell it a little bit more so she's gonna have to tell a story mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think this, I honestly, I think everybody's like, I can't wait for Luke Cage mm. and they're starting to film. Right, so yeah. I think everybody's now like, wow, Netflix has totally got this down. I mean, we were queuing very early in the morning for those bracelets and everybody was like Netflix panel. <laughs> this is where we want to be. So right. 
yeah, Netflix has got this unlocked. But going back to your other point with the film and television, I think San Diego and this is starting to f- concentrate more on television. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to stay away from the studios just for like what Bobby said. DC seems like they're they were a little bit more present at this. Yeah. But not anywhere near like they were in San Diego where mm-hmm. they had all the props, all the nuts, like <laughs> nuts and bolts, smoke and mirrors, the whole thing. This is just like, okay, we'll bring some of our gear, we'll bring Scott Snyder, we'll do all that kind of stuff, but we're mostly going to keep it to the television portion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually shocked that certain movies, whether it and Peak was coming out this week, nothing. I mean, there were some little things um, that were there. There was a lot of introduction to a lot of new television shows, like Into the Badlands, which mm-hmm. is an AMC thing. Yeah, and there was that MTV panel of... Uh whatever show they were promoting. Yeah, I God knows what they're promoting. I, I, Teen Wolf season 17. <laughs> I think it was Some Teen fantasy Wolf. thing with um, yeah, it was John Rhys Davis. Legends. That giant poster that was on the way to Ours Alley was yep. an MTV show. I don't even remember. I don't remember. Shannara Chronicles? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. like one girl on the panel who was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> so, <laughs> she was a good reason to sit through it, in all honesty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of TV, like you said, the, the TV is being very focused on at, the, at, at these things. Um, yeah, pushing a lot of the digital content, mm-hmm. a lot of the web stuff. Um, I think they're starting to get, a, I mean, for me, this was more of a social con. Like they were saying before, the panels were really kind of like, you're not really telling us anything new. Right. Um, Woman of Marvel had a couple good things, but for the most part, you know, this was, um, it was really more about the social gathering portion. Although Sunday, they I, for the kids, I have to say, because we were obviously not covering that, like Goosebumps and all that, that was like their mm-hmm. whole their whole day. Right, right. So, which is great. You know, let them have that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing, what it kind of always bothers me is when the companies will have panels and they'll put out press releases of things they already announced, but like they're just announcing it, you know? Yeah. Like, look, you know, this is this book is happening. I'm like, yeah, you, you announced that three weeks ago. We already know. We yeah. know that the Hellcat, we know who the Hellcat team is already. Right. You know, like, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really cool story, but don't release it like you haven't released it before. It's a, right, it's like a exactly. weird thing. You're trying, to, you're trying to make something old new again. Yeah, like exactly. They were saying the all new, all different. We were all kind of like, it's kind of like the same stuff. Yeah. All new, <laughs> yeah. all same, really. Yeah. It, was, it really the wasn't one, all that different. The one announcement that I ended up actually being like really excited for was the one I missed which was the Attack on Titan one. Oh right. <laughs> so I, I get there like 45 <laughs> minutes before the panel starts and he hadn't kept the line so I was like brilliant you know I'm here in plenty of time. Um, I get about 10 people from the front of the line they're like yeah sorry we can't let anybody in so I tried to be cheeky and say you know was there any room for you know press at the back you know I, I want to live tweet this. Um I was like, you know, I don't care. I'll, I'll just stand in the corner. I was like, you know, I just want to see what the announcement is. And like, no, sorry. I was like, no, okay, whatever. I, you know, shut off. Um, you know, and the fact, you know, them announcing that there's going to be an anthology of stories, you know, in the Attack on Titan universe from American comic book creators, you know, you know, Scott Snyder, Gail Simone, Kate Leth, you know, just just to name three. That's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as it and as an Attack on Titan fan, that's for me that that's a big announcement, and I think for something for something new that that was that was a big announcement, and and unfortunately I missed that, but you know that was probably my own fault. To be there fair. was a lot more anime 
at yeah. this there was the creator of naruto naruto was there naruto, yeah because yeah. i think they were showing I that think was they had huge the that was a ticketed like signing event yeah naruto, that was a huge... the last naruto movie or whatever yeah. it's called <laughs> right um well last year was a lot of uh cora yeah so but they were having i unfortunately i don't know the name but they were having a lot of uh, they were trying to deal with the issues at hammerstein ballroom as well because i think they were trying to move some of the anime stuff over there they're doing basically what san diego is doing which is they're moving a lot of stuff off site but they're being run by the actual parties who actually like usa mm. uh, amc of course you know people were complaining oh well i couldn't get in because i'm a new york comic-con person but amc ran that event for walking dead so it was a sweepstakes and then they had very few for certain people for new york comic-con um, I'll tell you, if you're not a Walking Dead fan or n- you are, seeing 15,000 people just to sit there to watch not only a panel, but just to watch a television show they were going to see in three days anyway <laughs> yeah. and go absolutely berserk, it was impressive. Um, you know, even at the NYCC Q&A, they're like, you know, th- really think about that. How many people can fit into the AT&T theater upstairs and yet they could fill 15,000 on a sweepstakes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, that was a pretty insane event. But you know what else was crazy? Um, I don't know if you noticed, but some publishers were even not even there. Yeah, there was no boom, boom booth. Well, no. Yeah, no yeah. boom booth. That was weird. Um, yeah. I was looking around like, because that's my thing. That's my jam. It's like, I'm going to buy the Archaea books because mm. they're so beautiful. And I, I, I was like, here we go. And then they're like, oh, they're not here, but the creators are. And I'm like... That's great, but I kind of wanted to buy the books, you yeah, know. And no yeah. booth, and I, I know that like some of their people were there. Like Mel yeah. was there. Like Mel the, was there, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, no, no booth, which I thought was very, yeah, very and, strange. Yeah. And then you've got um, companies like First Second, who are yeah. you know obviously one of the up and coming you know publishers. You know, S- Steve and everybody else has read like quite a few things. You know, the sculptor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I I went to their booth and I just I just there was one book I bought um I think it was called This Last Summer um I've had that on my Amazon wish list forever Exquisite so I was like corpse. cool I'll pick that up mm-hmm. right now from here I was just like um picked up another book flicked through it read the the sort of stuff on the inside of the cover liked the look of it and the art was nice so I picked that up as well picked up another random book I can't remember the name of it off to my head but the lady who wrote it was just coincidentally signed <laughs> in at the same time. So was I was like, a corpse? Um, no. Mm. Um, I can't, I can't remember what it was called, sorry. Um, but yeah, that was cool, you know, and, you know, they, even like a little publisher like that had a, you know, it was only like a little six by six mm-hmm. yeah. booth, but for a publisher like that to have a booth there and, you know, for, for with them sort of with this, this stock building and the stuff they're putting out like i've i'm yet to read something from them that i didn't like which is why i made a point of stopping there and just picking up some random books from them yeah of course um so for like you say for companies like boom not to have a, a presence they like archie had um you know a sort of square of tables that there was That's people at signing all the time and um you know, you even Marvel were selling. All right, they weren't selling much of their booths, but they were selling those pin badges, which people were going nuts for. <laughs> um, thank you for the free beats, by the way. Um, you know, and if you were just thinking like that, Boomer, like this company who are doing a lot of really cool stuff at the moment, and I would have loved to have gone over there and bought some trades and you know picked some stuff up that maybe I've missed out on recently, and they they just weren't there. Yeah, and it all, was odd. All I can think is that I mean, there must be a reason, right? They must have looked at how much money they made last year, how much money they spent, and been like, this doesn't work out. We do we it, it, we'll make 
would do just as well not having a booth. That's yeah. all I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, even IDW, their booth was much smaller than it usually is. I mean, it was like... It was like a yeah, yeah. Dark Horse's booth, booth was smaller. Everything was smaller. Lovely carpet though. L- oh, they always have a lovely carpet. They always mm-hmm. have a great booth. Uh, <laughs> I always do, a lot, always do a lot of interviews at Dark Horse, and it's always great to go there. But uh, but Boomin made such inroads recently. Their percentage was going up and up, and part of it is that people who don't get exposed. Yeah, you got to spend during the make convention, money at the right? End of the day. And now, if you want, okay, Lumberjanes, the second trade only just came out, and the only place you could get, unless you went to Midtown Comics, was to go down to Brook Allen, who had a pile of about twenty of them. That were gone by Saturday afternoon. Right. But I mean, but I think their thinking is like, you can go to Midtown Comics and buy their books right there. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? I think but that's the, part of it. The year thinking. before when they had that, in, that entire corner. Yeah. No, they had a huge and, booth last year. Yeah. And it was, yeah. what, creator, 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 yeah. creator, yeah. tons of as, trades. As big as the Image booth. Yeah. Really, Easily. Yeah. If I remember right. Yeah. Image is the only one that consistently, consistently yeah. sized Image's booth. Image's booth is fucking <laughs> huge. Yeah. yeah. Valiant was there. Yeah. They had a great booth. They and had a they great had really deals. good offers on. Like okay. five, what was it, five first volumes for 30? Yeah. And Image, then, yeah. Image didn't. They charged you full no, price no. and tax. Yeah. Look, everyone has and to collect tax because it's New York and yeah. there's tax. Generally, people absorb it. Yeah. It's $10. It's $10. Yeah. I bought two drinks. Twenty-one seventy. Twenty-one seventy-eight. <laughs> Are you kidding Dark me? Dark Horse was the same way. Um, so, Steve, uh, you did a lot of coverage for, for Joe Blow. <laughs> I did. And, you know... Obviously, people can go to JoeBlow.com and read. So you you, saw, you did Goosebump stuff, right? Yeah, I have. I yeah, I have some stuff. You to did talk Ash about. versus Evil Dead stuff. Yeah. Was there any comic book stuff though that you did? Yeah. Um, no, there wasn't. What? So tell me about something about your experiences. Actually, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, kind of. No, there is a, a comic book related thing that I did. Yeah. Do. So let me let's talk about the comic book stuff first because obviously, if we don't get to the the movie stuff, people are gonna be able to read it all about your experiences and stuff like that. But I want to hear about your comic related stuff. All right. Like, um, not necessarily, not necessarily only coverage, but just like. You know what you experienced at the show that that you really loved that was that was comic book focused. All right. Well, first, your three books I remember were the Divine, this one Summer, and mm-hmm. Exquisite Corpse. Those <laughs> were the three books that you bought from first second. Okay. Okay. Um, comic book stuff. I I I talked to a lot of people in um, related to the Joe Blow stuff. I do a thing called Art from Around the Con. Mm. And uh, I go around and I, I photograph, you know, really cool stuff, mostly movie related. But now that comic books are so integrated into the cinematic stuff, you know, everything I take a picture of has to do with a movie of mm. some kind. So it works out brilliantly for me. Um, but I, I, I talked to Yannick Paquette for a long time. Uh, I visited my friends over at 44 Flood. We had a huge laugh at the uh, fact that Menton was not there this year. And somebody, I don't know who, but somebody ended up actually printing out Menton masks <laughs> and putting them, like cutting eye holes in them and putting them on popsicle <laughs> sticks. And there's a photo somewhere on the internet of everybody from 44 Flood wearing a Menton mask, and it's hilarious. Really um, I ran into Kazra Gambari and his um, his girlfriend, Kelly, and caught up with them for a while. They're incredible, incredible people. Um, Erica Henderson, uh, Marguerite Bennett was just She's always so warm and and so awesome. Katie Cook was amazing. Um, Wes Wes Craig was great. Uh, I mentioned Yannick Paquette, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yannick. Um, Kieran Gillen. I ran into upstairs in the press area, 
and uh, he knew he knew us. Like he's like, oh, he's like, I can't do his accent, but he was like, you know, I'm not I would try. love you to try. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could do it. Hello, mate. <laughs> but he was he was really excited. He was just about to go and do an interview. Like he'd gone to throw something away. And I had been like, I looked at him. I gave him one of those, like, "Are you?" Because <laughs> I've seen him before, but I don't like to. I don't like to presume too mm-hmm. much. And uh, he's like, "Yes, I am." <laughs> and I'm like, "That's awesome." He's like, "Yo, who are he?" He took the time. He like he postponed his thing for mm-hmm. a couple of seconds so that he could talk with me. And um, my girlfriend met him later that day and had like a really amazing experience with the whole uh, like Wicked and the Divine team and got stuff signed and everything and. She mentioned me, and he remembered speaking to me earlier in the day, and they were talking about that, and just really, really genuinely awesome, awesome people. Um, but comic book related, um, like I, I have, I have three main stories. I was going to go in a certain progression, but I'll tell the second one first because it's the most comic book related out of all of them. Um, as part of my, as part of my Joe Blow coverage, we had gotten an email that we were invited to go to Terminal Five on Friday night for a Blade-themed blood rave uh, presented by Barbecue Films. Now, I have a long-standing history of absolutely hating Terminal 5. It's my least favorite venue in the entire city. If Tool was playing there, I would have to think about it. That's how much I hate this venue. Uh, I went to the party. I found the place. I had been hanging out all weekend with my coworker uh, Eric, uh, he and I spent very little time together last year. I think I saw him for a total of seven minutes last year. Just, you know, okay, we're doing this, this, and this. I got a jet. I'll see you, man. Good work, blah, blah, blah. Um, I got to spend, we all we all did. We, we got to spend a lot of time with him uh, this year, and it was really awesome for me. It was a really cool, you know, bonding experience. I never got to hang out with any of my coworkers because mm-hmm. we're all over the place. We know each other online. But here we were four days straight hanging out with each other, and um, – we were both exhausted, and we're like, ah, oh, did we go to this thing? I don't know. So we decided to go. We're like, we'll go and check it out. We'll feel it out. And if it's if it's not a big deal, whatever, we'll, 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 we'll leave. We'll write a little something about it and whatnot. So we got to this place, and they were the outside people were really, really, really cool. And we get in, and we're in the VIP press area on the roof, and then we go down to the upper floor and whatever. And now – it was, if, if, if this is even possible, it was one of the most disorganized yet precisely on time events I have ever been to. And disorganized in that there were no real announcements happening. Like when we walked in, there were performers on stage, but nobody was announced. So there were supposed to be four acts. And when somebody finally came onto the stage, they announced the show as if there were like still four more bands to come out. And we both looked at each other and we were like, oh man, like I thought we had arrived, you know, fashionably late and we can just whatever. So all of a sudden it went from there being four bands to there only being two bands. Um, uh, DJ uh, spinning came out called uh, picture plane. I'd seen picture plane open for crystal castles years ago at Irving Plaza. And it was awful. It was just awful. He actually poured baby powder into fans set at the edge of the stage to simulate a smoke machine. And I wound up tasting baby powder in my throat for five days after the show, and I hated him. He came out. He played a really, really good set, got us kind of jazzed. And before I knew it, the the main band was The Crystal Method. I haven't heard The Crystal Method since 92, 95. So in the middle of Picture Plane set, um, uh, Crystal Method just comes out and hijacks his set and starts spinning. So the whole 
the whole place changed. It seemed like as soon as they came out, the whole place packed up. The whole floor packed up, and the place came alive. They were so loud, <laughs> and they were so good. They were amazing. It was absolutely incredible. And one of the things that they did was because it was a, a Blade-themed thing, uh, they had actors and stuff that were playing the characters. Uh, there was a Blade character. There was, I can't remember the main Batman. Was it actually Wesley Snipes? No, it wasn't. <laughs> but he had like this like this, like this horrible Batman voice that he mm. was using, and he couldn't understand a damn thing. <laughs> like, what? Anyway... So the Deacon, that was the name of the thing. So they had a guy that was supposed to be like Donald Logue's character that got his mm-hmm. hand cut off, and they're yes. reenacting scenes from the movie and everything, and there are female vampires walking around. There was a female uh, vampire DJ that was spinning in between uh, in between stuff and whatever, and um, Crystal Method was playing, and they just the, the party just kept going. They kept going. I was actually filming at one point, and I, I was standing next to like the subwoofers and stuff. I actually had to like steal myself to breathe because that's how loud and how much the reverberation was like getting into my core while trying to do this stuff. And at one point in the show, they started flashing the words bloodbath and people from the sides of the building and from the back all came out with what looked like exterminator tanks on Mm -hmm. with those like wands that they spray and they, they spray in the corners and everything, but they were all filled with, fake blood oh okay so you know crystal methods like amping up the party and like at the the pinnacle of the song where it's just the build and the build and the build when the build finally came to like it's crashing crescendo thing or whatever Mm -hmm. they all let go on these tanks and the whole bottom crowd just got drenched in fake blood. I believe they call it the drop, good sir. Yes, the drop. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, yeah. Hugh. It's been a while. I've never been to a rave. I've never actually, this is my first rave in my entire life. Uh, my coworker Eric had gone to a lot of raves. So um, eventually, uh, during the performance, my, my girlfriend and her friend Jill had shown up. And um, I mean, I we were drinking. We, that was like the one night that I actually decided to drink, and I had gotten I had gotten pretty sauced by the time that they were halfway through their set, and oh man, we my neck hurt the next day because I was shaking my hair and freaking out and like tweeting from the the Joe Blow Twitter account, um, little like thirty second clips of people getting drenched in blood, and they were handing out fake fangs. So like when you looked over the balcony. Like, all you saw were these people with, like, you know, really getting into it and, like, their mouths open and, like, looking up toward the ceiling with flashing their fangs and everything. And the best part about it, I've seen a lot of – I've seen a lot of music where they the, – the band playing live synchronizes their music to what's happening on a screen. You know, they have stuff made for them or they just – something happens. This was by far and away the most organized and precise version of like that type of performance that I've ever seen. They remixed the movie with the Crystal Methods like scratching and all of their their stuff. I don't know if it was actually synced to their machines, hmm. but it was pinpoint and it was loud. <laughs> super god loud. But it made it so much more like impactful and every time that somebody like a sword clanged it like punched you in the face with with like the action of it. And they had people recreating the the scenes on the stage mm-hmm. and everything. And it went from being like a very questionable event to like if you missed it, 
it, it was really, really something uh, to experience. Um, aside from like seeing all the cosplay and and like seeing, there was a lot of highlights of the weekend. But that is definitely, definitely up there uh, for me. And um, you know, it didn't really tie into comic stuff. They didn't talk about like the new Blade uh, mm-hmm. book that that uh, is it coming out a week. Yeah, it's definitely coming out. Yeah. I don't know what the date is, but it had, I don't. It's oh, it was springtime or springtime. Something. Yeah, but um, but it was really cool to to go to that and. Not only to see the Crystal Method perform, but um, knowing that like that was where it all started, like where we are now in the the Marvel film verse, you know, the seed of it really when it started to become what it is was the Blade, mm-hmm. the first Blade movie, and um, seeing it in that type of presentation with like the real band that provided the music, spinning it in at just not even at eleven, like. I a hundred <laughs> so loud. It was awesome. Cool. It was awesome. Awesome. Nigel Tefnell would be it. <laughs> so it was one more in it. <laughs> but yeah, I've got other stories too. Awesome. Want them. Um, Bob, do you have any other, any other, any highlights? Um, interestingly, little of both. So went to a lot of different panels. I was in the company of Carolyn Coco most mm-hmm. of the weekend, so we were going a little political. So went to sort of a lot of the diversity panels, a lot of interesting things. A lot of, so librarians talk about how you put books into the place. Their panel was disabled or mislabeled and went down the history of disabled characters from back from Dr. Midnight and Daredevil and how this all plays itself out and the changes in the industry. And that there were a lot of panels like that, the LGBT panels that were – Again, we're moving forward. We always talk about we are Mm -hmm. making steps. Mm -hmm. But we we get to near the end of the weekend, and you get to some of the bigger things. Something came up last year at the Women of Marvel panel. Someone asked Kelly Sue DeConnick, you know, at the Cup of Joe panel, you were the only woman on the panel. And as, as you went from big Marvel panel to big Marvel panel to big Marvel panel, Sana Aminat was there, maybe Katie Kubert was there, and that's about it. And yeah, at Women of Marvel panel, there there are like 15 people on the stage, young adult novelist, Margaret Stoll, who was <laughs> just, just from hearing her talk, I want to read that Black Widow book. <laughs> She's just so energetic and engaged by what's going on. You're looking at artists, writers, editors, executives, anchors, you name it. And there are all these people in the room. There are a dozen of them in Artist Alley. And, uh, uh, you know, it's like it's the kids' table at Thanksgiving. <laughs> at the big panel, it's still one person. So we still have to keep having, then, Women of Marvel panels and diversity panels and Black Comics Month panels and so on. And even if it's, it's a, it, as Kelly Sue says, you make people uncomfortable, we still have to make people uncomfortable just a little bit. Mm. Just to make them think we haven't quite got there yet. We're moving there. Attendance, I think, this weekend was definitely 50-50. Mm. You know, women and men. Lots of families, lots of kids, and not just Sunday Kids Day. Thursday, when I got on, on the train, there were families. There were moms with kids, strollers walking around in cosplay to start yeah. with. And there was a dad on the train, like, strapping his kids into his, like, Assassin's Creed cosplay yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. It was brilliant. So we're definitely, definitely making inroads. You can see the industry is changing. And... As someone who saw when it hadn't, when it changed the other way around, it's really gratifying to see. So that's a highlight for me. Yeah, I mean, I, what Bob was saying about the, you know, the 
sort of split between men and women on the panels. Like as I was saying to Bob, it's, like, it's great to see the the fact that the women on those panels at the at the Marvel panels they're really high up in the company, but there needs to be more of them, um, you know, sat in amongst there. You know, having like six dudes and one woman. I mean, I I think I walked into three panels that weekend and twice I think once I said to Carolyn and once I said to Lauren I was like you know sausage rest <laughs> again and you know it's frustrating you want to see you want to see the the unfortunately I had to miss the women of Marvel panel this year because I was doing the interview but last year the energy in that room at the women of Marvel panel was fucking amazing it was so Still was. so Still good was. and you know, like when I, th- I think one one of the big memories that stuck in my head last year was because um, G Willow Wilson was a little bit late for it. When she walked into the room, it she was like a friggin' rock star. Mm-hmm. It, like the room just exploded, and you know you had Kelly Sue like whipping the you know everybody up beforehand and stuff like that. And you know, you want to see that in every in every panel. Like you want to see like women and girls go into these panels. The other panel, you know, the all new, all different, you know, Marvel heroes panels and stuff like that. You want to see women go into them because they know that they're going to be represented on these things, and it's just disappointing that they weren't. But like, like I said, it's 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 good that the women who were on these panels are so high up in the in the company. Like Sana Ramana is like at the top table at Marvel yeah. now, and you know she's there on merit. Like she she's brilliant, but it was just you know disappointing to see that. For the most part, those panels were... I don't even think there was a woman on the Batman panel, was there? I don't think there is is anybody for there to be. So, yeah. I think in terms of, like, what made my experience so good this year was just, you know, experiencing it with people. Like, getting to walk around with um, Aaron, who... um, I think this weekend, you know, was a good pick-me-up for him because he had something bad happen to him. Um, you know, we're just, you know, seeing him sort of like say, I'm glad I came here. This, you know, this has been really good. I'm glad I came, you know, met everybody, seeing everybody again. It's cool. Um, getting to hang out with Lauren a bit more because I didn't really get to see you much last year. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I said to Steve, it was a bit like going on a date to the cinema. We were, we were together, but we couldn't really speak much because we were sat in the <laughs> So, um, you know, and getting to meet Carolyn finally, who is just absolutely amazing. And so small as well. She's tiny. Um, you know, and absolutely lovely. It was, you know, just an absolute thrill to meet her finally. And just, you know, like you say, meeting up in the Bureau Authority afterwards and going to the Algonquin after on yeah. Sunday, which was just, that was such a good night. Um, you know, I think this year for me, whereas like last year, you know, a, a massive part of last year was meeting everybody for the first time. That you know, that was the biggest thing for me. But experiencing all those announcements and stuff like that was was awesome. Whereas, like, I think this year, as well as you know, artists walking around Artist Alley this year was was really really cool because there were so many good people on it. But getting to walk around with like Jackie J and um, Luke on Friday and like pointing out to Luke like. That's Dan Slot. That's the dude who writes Spider Man. He's like, oh, cool. I was like, <laughs> that's the dude who does inks on on uh, Batman. Oh, cool. You know, and just pointing out all mm-hmm. these people and like, I said, I was like, I said to Jackie, I was like, I I think this year I was to Luke what Rob was to me last year. <laughs> like, uh, he he was kind of experiencing <laughs> the con through me last year, whereas this year on Friday I was experiencing it through him. 
Same so maturity th- levels too, obviously. Go to hell. But, you know, it, I think this year for me was just, you know, just getting around the, sh- the show floor a bit more, just picking up cool stuff and, you know, spending time with people and enjoying it with them and you know, through them was what made it for me this year. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, I was only there the one day, but the the, the thing I took away was talking to the people who came to the meetup um, and then also walking around Artist Alley and talking to creators, um, which, you know, we haven't got to do a lot late, lately. Um, and honestly, I, I, I've talked about it so much off air and I, it's like a broken record, but I, I will say something that, that time on that line with, with Annie Wu, mm-hmm. like, excited me about talking about comics and 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 thinking about comics in a way that I haven't been in probably months. Yeah, you get to physically experience someone like that doing what they're so damn good at. Yeah, like just there in front of you, like a few yeah. feet in front of you. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and and that's what I took away from this thing was being able to finally talk to people and. and 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 engage with people, both creators and fans, and that energized me in a way that I haven't energized in a really long time. Yeah, that's the same thing for me because Matt Kent was there, and it was great to see because Matt's coming off mind management, so that's over. And I was talking to him, and I haven't talked to him and just because he's usually going panel to panel to panel. This was the first time that I actually got to sit since like 2011 and actually just talk to Matt and see how he was doing. And he he's actually getting his rights back to some of his books now. So he had two sisters. He had the omnibus for Pistol Web. And he's really excited now for Valiant and for everything going forward. And I'm excited for Matt because Matt is such a talented human being to see where he's come from 2011 with this little booth and this little card thing of his little paintings and stuff like that to this 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 huge thing where he he worked at DC he worked at Dark Horse he did he's done all independent stuff and he's just so humble and and he's still got that energy of wanting to do more and and it was great to just sit and just talk to him and have that time to talk to him mm-hmm. and that was i missed that and i <sighs> felt like even though the 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 con didn't have the panels like everybody's going panel to panel to panel even Karen we talked at uh, Yotel he said the same thing. Like he said, it was nice to, he said, this is still Comic-Con. I went to San Diego earlier in the year and it, it, their artist alley is nothing compared to ours. Nowhere even near close. And everybody keeps saying the same thing. This is still a comic book convention. And you saw that. You saw more comic book vendors right as you get off the escalators. That was really great. Valiant actually had a fantastic panel, which, you know, because you don't know when to start Valiant. It's so confusing. So they actually had a first-time guide for people who wanted to jump onto Valiant. Where to start? Where to go? What are you interested in? And they asked questions to the audience. Instead of just sitting there and giving a presentation, they said, where do you want to go? Where do you want to start? I have this ninja. I have this. I have that. That was great because it was more engaging than it was just somebody presenting. That is fantastic. That is the stuff I like to see. There was also still a lot of stuff uh, dealing with the industry. I went to a contract panel, learning how to do contracts, learning how to pitch, learning how to write. Some of them had pre, uh, pre-registration pre and stuff like that for pro 
But a lot of them have now started opening up to the general public because they're starting to see people like digital presentation, digital as opposed to finding another artist. They actually they had four networking events, one each day, some of them after the con, some during the con. That is fantastic. That was great to see. Also saw a lot of women and, and minorities there as well. That was fantastic to see. That's the stuff that I remember from 2011. Instead of it just being boom, 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 panel, 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 panel. Mm -hmm. Everybody's exhausted at the end of the day. Everybody's losing their energy. This was kind of like, it's great to see everybody. It's great to be a part of a community again. And at first, when like a week before, and, and I remember you were talking about this, it was kind of like, I don't even know why I'm going. Star Trek had pulled a sorry, not Star Trek, Star Wars, excuse me, had pulled off some of their stuff, um, and other people had pulled off some. Of their, and I'm like, now what do we have? It actually was kind of nice not to have to go to so many panels. It was nice to go run into people you haven't seen in, in years and years and years. It was great to actually sit and have a, a human, civilized conversation with a creator or an artist. And them just being in Artist Alley and just seeing each other and laughing and pointing at each other and having that interaction. And, uh, I mean, Kieran, I swear to God, he's got energy. I don't even know where he gets it from. <laughs> he's, like, running over to people, and he's like, you got to check out that guy's book. And, by the way, that guy's over two rows down that way, and you got to see it. And Jamie's like, you know, we're trying to sell our book, too, you know. <laughs> and But it's it's great that, to see them all there and, and to really be engaged. So maybe having all that stuff ramped down or, you know, taken down a little bit. Maybe it was a better experience right, for yeah. everybody, yeah. you know. So, and operations-wise, I mean, there was hiccups here and there, but for the most part, you know, Reed Pop is trying to get their act together. They are listening. Um, they still got to work on certain things. I went to the Q&A. They're still, still working on things. But to see the fact that it's still being a comic book convention is huge. Yeah. They need to get their shit together with the before-the-show stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. The, that, that is a big thing. I think that it, it's... Well, they talked about ticketing. I could tell you a little bit yeah. about ticketing. Um, some, Of course, that was the first question in the Q&A. What the hell happened? Mm -hmm. Lance did not get into it totally. He says there is legal action being taken. However, we were compromised. Not your personal information, but definitely bots had taken over. They couldn't go into it to detail. They said they'll have details soon. But they said we learned a lot, a hell of a lot. We definitely are more humble about it. Um, we definitely take full responsibility for it. However, the biggest thing that, and you saw the frustration on all their faces, they hate scalpers. We're talking tens of thousands of tickets were, were reallocated and taken back. Tons of uh, eBay, tons of StubHub, all that stuff. They're being dead serious about this. You're going to try to sell those tickets. They're going to find you. They are going to try and come up with a marketplace in case you can't go and you need the money back you want to sell it for face value and you have a safer place to do it. They haven't figured out all the, the bells and whistles yet, but that's one of the things that, that they're looking into. Yeah. That was like the first question out of the gate was the ticketing situation. Yeah. I, they run packs as well. I think no penny arcade runs packs. It runs, I forgot what that's, but that pack has like a resale market Correct. Like from for their own tickets. So that if you, if you couldn't get tickets to packs, you go to a specific place to get tickets for packs. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, they also have a lot of people from Emerald, and basically those people, they helped, but they also observed. Mm -hmm. So we definitely saw that in Artist Alley. The way they run Artist Alley is definitely what I saw this time. Um, Emerald has a good calm. I, I can't say any, I mean, there's nothing bad about Emerald City. Um, and 
it was good to see that they're taking um, advice from C2E2 people. They're taking advice from Emerald. They're ta- you know, they're really starting to come conglomerate, get together on certain things. Health and safety was another issue. All these little things that they do listen. They do listen, but you got to bring it up. But of course, the ticketing situation, the communications issue, a huge thing. They, people were begging for transparency on that. You know, you got to stop doing everything last minute. You got to mm-hmm. start letting us know. We understand you need to be confirmed in those things, but at the same time, at least give us something to work with. We just felt like a lot of people just felt like they were hung, hanging out to dry, didn't know what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that's a, a very thorough recap of, of, of New York Comic Con from all sides. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash uh, Talking Comics, um, or please uh, write to us, podcast TalkingComicBooks.com is, is the email address. Um, go to TalkingComicBooks.com for all our reviews and columns, and of course, our bevy of podcasts, The Misfits, Talking Games, Talking Movies, Talking Shoujo. Um, Talking Valiant. Thank you, special yeah, guest yeah, Lauren Collins. That's why we brought her. That's why we brought her just for the, just to say <laughs> Valiant. <laughs> um, tune in to all of those shows, please. Um, uh, I was going to put the interviews we did in this show, but I think I'm releasing a separate show because we're already almost at three hours on this show. So uh, that'll be out on Friday. Um, we've got interviews with Joshua Williamson, Paul Azaceta, um, Vivek Tiwari, and James Tynan. Tynan and Eric Donovan. Eric Donovan from Emetic. So um, those were all go up on, on Friday in a special uh, NYCC The Interviews show. Um, thank you, Lauren, for, for, for joining us. Special guest. Thank you. <laughs> um, make sure you guys read... Uh, what's the book for next week, Steve? Switch number one. Switch. Uh, Image Comics, Day Potasajish. All right. Make sure you read Switch number one and, and come with what? hashtag TC... <laughs> it's a hard name. You, so you're you're close enough that I didn't even realize that it was wrong. <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you. Do you want the European to handle it? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Stepan Shiejic. You're hardly European. Well, we're in mainland Europe. Well, not mainland Europe, but yeah, we're part yeah, of the yeah, European yeah, Union. Yeah. Sorry, uh, <laughs> you're absolutely not in mainland Europe. Yeah. <laughs> um. So make sure you you hash, use hashtag TCBOTW and, and get with that. And if you have any listener questions, please podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com or Twitter, use hashtag TCPodMail. And again, thank you to everyone who came out and, and, and hung out with us this this weekend because it was yeah, pretty it was awesome. Steve, um, pulling just, a bob. I am pulling a bob. <laughs> really quick. Um, I know you mentioned JoeBlow.com yeah, yeah. earlier. I really appreciate it. Um, JoeBlow.com has an influx of a lot of articles and things that they do. Uh, if you want to find my coverage, uh, you can always my Twitter account, my Facebook. We have a lot of really awesome things that I put together that are already up, including a cosplay music video, cosplay gallery, collectibles gallery, uh, all kinds of great stuff. And uh, coming this week, we have uh, I have interviews with Jack Black and the cast of Goosebumps, R.L. Stein. I got to meet R.L. Stein, which was a dream come true. Uh, and also the cast of Ash vs. Evil Dead with Bruce Campbell, Lucy Lawless, uh, from Eric, and um, the rest of the cast. It was uh, it was an incredible uh, work weekend. And if you want to uh, find that stuff or uh, whatever, uh, my Facebook and or Twitter. And please share it because it looks really good for me. <laughs> All right. So, uh, pandering, I, I gotta. I gotta. I, I'm going to pull a bob as well. Okay. Um, sorry. I'm just kidding. No, Go ahead. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm the one person who won't. Tell yeah, it. I know. <laughs> and another thing. And another thing. Um, 
No, I just like last year. I I think I forgot to say it, but I just want to like thank everybody. Like, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be sat here right now. Like two years running now, I've had an amazing time. Um, Despite my best efforts, Bob. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, dropping me into interviews. Um, man, I was so nervous. Um, thankfully, it went well. Um, but you know. If it wasn't for Steph encouraging me and pushing me, I wouldn't be writing for the site, you know, and your help and Steve's help and Bob being Bob as only Bob can be, um, you know, and meeting amazing people like Lauren, Carolyn, Jackie, Jay, Luke, Rob letting me stay with him and his wonderful parents and, you know, just everybody. And, you know, it's just, it means the world to me. So. Thank you to everybody. Uh, you're welcome. You're very and, welcome. you know, any, everybody around it, you know, I've met, you know, Aaron, I'm going to meet Maria next month, so, you know. Met Bronwyn. Bronwyn, <laughs> yeah, and a friend Jill, who are absolutely amazing. Um, you know, Her- just, Harry Jackson at the last minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, just, just so many awesome people that I've met. And, you know, I think last year, one thing that slipped my mind was to stop and thank everybody. So if I've forgotten you... I haven't forgotten you, but thank you to everybody whose path I've crossed as a part of being Talking Comics. All right. Well said, Hugh. Well said. Mm-hmm. And that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. What, Bob? No, no. no I, <laughs> I almost, you did it yourself. I almost threw <laughs> this bottle at your head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for Steve. See you later. Bob. Good night. And Hugh. Adios, muchachos. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>